What's up, everybody? Welcome back. It is episode 37 of the What's Real podcast. I am your host, Ed Demko, along with my tag team championship partner in podcasting, the motherfucking Jay himself, Jared Bajoris. What's going on, brother? Feeling good. Hey, Eel. Nice and veiny as we should be here on the What's Real podcast, episode 37, a.k.a. the Carnell Lake episode, as we've been cutting yeah. up and doing <laughs> for random people. Remember he... uh came to our school and spoke and Guillermo ended up mooning him on the way home. He was like next to us in a Corvette and he, he almost got pal driven. Like, Oh, I mooned Cornell Lake. I just called him. Cornell. Claim to f- <laughs> well, he, well, that's probably what Guillermo would have said at the time. Too. Of course. Yeah. Cause he doesn't know <laughs> Cornell. Like, Hey, I mooned him. Like what, whatever, whatever his name is. But yeah, feeling good, man. As, as usual here on the what's real, we got tons and tons of topics and, pop cultural events in 2020 just rolling on and we're just living in our own little bubbles hey yeah so can't wait to it, cut the shit with you as we always do yeah that is the word uh you know for uh coronavirus uh i guess since this all started is living in our own little bubbles so uh hopefully we give you guys a little bit of a break from everything else going on in the world so Let's get into it, shall we? Uh, We have a lot of stuff for you guys this week on the show. Of course, we're going to be talking AEW All Out 2020. Uh, On Thursday Night Prime this week, we have Marshall Outlaw from 1993. And of course, we're going to have an NFL preview. We're going to talk a little bit about Hard Knocks, as well as some fantasy football stuff as well. Um, If you guys have anything you want to send to us here on the show, you could do so by email. Uh, Just send that to us at whatsrealpod at gmail.com. If you're listening on iTunes, give us a five-star review. We really would appreciate that. That always gets more eyes and ears on the program. Uh, You can also listen to us on any of your other favorite podcasts venues such as Spotify, Podbean, Google Podcasts, and every week as well on churchillpictures.com. And don't forget to uh, give us a follow on Twitter at What's Real Pod One. So, got all the business out of the way, so uh, it should be pretty interesting this week on the show. But uh, you actually got to see uh, Bill and Ted, um, the new one, uh, which is really weird by chance, uh, because guess what I watched over the weekend, and it was completely not on purpose. The originals. Yes. Nice. Uh, so, uh, what'd you think, man? Yeah, it was good. I, I just wanted to bring it up here uh, real quick, because we did speak of it last week, because you had watched it, and um, I was eyeing it up, but didn't have a chance yet. So, uh, extended Labor Day weekend, I got some watches in on uh, some of my, my downtime over the weekend, and that was one of them. And I liked it, man. It's I, I agreed with um, I was concurring with what a lot of people have been saying about it. You included, hey Ed, that it was just a fun little, you know, nostalgia kind of film, which we always talk about uh, being kids when the first one came out and um, enjoying those. So I, I liked it, man. It was it was a different different kind of plot. Um, again, you nailed it with the green screen like. Um, was that, you do know, you know what I'm talking about? Oh yeah, because like- I mean they're skipping around so you know, in the, the, um, the phone booth time machine gimmick. So I see why they did what they did, but you know, that the whole extended scene in, in hell with death, which was hilarious. And and that, that was a show stealer for me was the, um, the fuck up cyborg, the fuck up robot. It was, yeah. did uh, you, do you realize who that was? I was trying to think and I forgot to IMDB it. So drop it on me here in the pod. 
I don't know the guy's name off the top of my head, but I know you'll know who this is because I know that you watch the show. But uh, remember the HBO show Barry? Yeah, of course. Oh, it's the so dude that plays the it's uh, the, the, the bald headed Russian dude. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> and it. I was like, dude, that's why he was so good because he's that cu- he's perfect at like awkward kind of like humor. Yeah. So like it's, it's it was timing. actually it's really good timing. Yes, absolutely, and he definitely has it in this movie too. And uh, but yeah, I I thought it was a lot of fun. It's not perfect by any stretch of the means, but honestly, at this point, yeah, there are certain I'm parts not... that I'm like, yeah, cringing, but it it, it got Dude. through. You know, I mean, his daughters uh, were kind of wishy washy those characters, well, but overall, okay, I so liked it. this is the one thing I'll say about it that's not a good thing. I like just randomly came across Samara Weaving. In movies, you know what I mean? It wasn't anybody that was on my radar. And yeah, she I was from realized, Ready or Not, right? Yes, yeah, yeah exactly. she's in a ton of stuff. Um, and I get her mixed up a lot of times with Margot Robbie because I think they look similar. Um, but this is the worst thing I've ever seen her do, and I don't think it was her fault. Like, she was just miscast. They tried to make it's, them too much like their dads, like, over-the-top-wise. You know what I mean? Like, I get it. They are their daughters, but they're trying to, you know, like, especially um, Ted's daughter Duh. she's just trying to do the like kind of almost the keanu reeves impression almost and yeah. i think i don't know they should have went a different route maybe and with that the, and the characters just like that don't work now because it's like they're 80s characters that's specifically why that doesn't work like yeah. they look like weirdos like samara weaving is in like a fucking like overalls and it's like in fucking Ted's daughter's wearing like half a wetsuit the whole movie. It's just like they, I don't think people would look at them the same way if it was the eighties, like that they would not like now they'd be completely outcast weirdos. It doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely parts that threw it off, but rounding it out, uh, it was a fun, entertaining movie, which is what I look for. Um, that guy's name's Anthony Kerrigan. Hey, I had to play the robot. Yeah. And, yeah. And it yeah. was funny because yep. he was like emphasizing. He's like, my name's Dennis. Dennis McCoy. Oh, yeah. My middle name's Caleb, and it like became a little, little joke that I, I got like, a kick out of. Like, all right, D- Dennis Caleb McCoy, <laughs> yeah, let's like, go. We get it, Dennis Caleb McCoy. Yeah. Of course, um, we spoke about it just real quick. But William Sadler is death. Always good to yes, see William great. Sadler. And I was shocked, but um, the guy that plays Ted's dad, Howard Landon Jr., was still alive. Yeah. And, yep. and in it. So they brought everybody back. And of course, Kid Cuddy had a funny cameo. Like they used oh, that. Yeah. Like he knew about all the physics and shit. <laughs> like, yep. So, so yeah, let, let's round it out. Hey, and just say, uh, yeah, definitely wanted to bring up. Uh, I finally got caught up to you on checking it out. And uh, fun, fun, entertaining little movie. I recommend it. And something else we both got to check out over the weekend. This doesn't happen a lot with us because we're, I mean, we're both like, Uh, Like, I'm way more casual of a gamer than you are. Um, So it doesn't always happen where, like, a game comes out, we both get it and get to play it. But um, we both had the opportunity to pick up Tony Hawk this weekend. Uh, They did the remaster, re-release, whatever you want to call it, uh, for PS4. And uh, it's pretty fun, (laughs) you know, early on, man. I got to say, like, it's, uh, it's not a super deep game. 
Uh, it would be nice to see maybe they have some DLC at some point for it or, or something like that, but I really don't think that's what they were going for for this. It's on the cheap side. You could get the regular version for 40 bucks, which is what I did, uh, and I just downloaded it. I didn't even go buy a copy. Um, but, you know, early impressions. I didn't get a chance to dig into it a ton, but, yeah, early impressions. I threw it on the other night and did get a chance to play it for a couple hours, and, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a lot of fucking fun. We were talking about it leading into it where one of the best aspects of Tony Hawk is you can throw it on and jam out and just get some release for like 20 minutes or you can sit there and just, you know, smoke one and just play for hours. You know, it's one of those games and it's it's definitely like that's that's the best word that I could use to explain it is that it's just fun. It's just a fun ass game and they brought back the gameplay. So I'm, I'm enjoying it. Like you said, early impressions, I'm in the same boat. I've just played a couple hours to this point. One of the cool things that I saw, and I didn't get to mess with this, but they have a really cool online feature where it's basically just like a friend skate. So it's like me and you could both log on and go and just like listen to music and bullshit and have like a skate session where we both skate the same thing. And like we could both like try and compete or try and like do, you know, play a game of skate or whatever you want to do. But like I thought that was a pretty cool option that it's like and I don't know what the numbers are on it. So it's like maybe it's a situation where you can have like you and like five or ten of your friends all in the same like skate park just kind of doing shit and like i thought that would be really cool too because you could go nuts with it if you really wanted to that's something Um, we need now man get together and skate online since we can't hang out all like that yeah and it's just something to like keep your hands busy and keep you entertained while you bullshit and listen to music you know what i mean which is cool like i totally see the advantage of that and you know it's something like you said that that especially right now is a good time to take advantage of that when you don't get to see people as much as you want. Uh, but yeah, man, uh, definitely think it's a, it's a cool game. I'm definitely glad that I picked it up and I'm looking forward to, to digging into it uh, a lot more, honestly. Yeah. It's all the skaters they have on there are cool. Um, so far the maps I played and the music and once again, man, Jared is nostalgia, but that's what it is. Uh, kind of, getting up there now hitting our 40s and um this just reminds me takes me right back to to college when the originals came out we played this like crazy in college so it brings back the memories hey y'all so let me ask you about this i because i didn't see all of this and i know you'd be the person to ask so i saw some stuff this week about sony and xbox or uh, kind of like being quiet on the release dates and what the prices of everything are going to be. Now, I have no idea. I'm just assuming that this is because of coronavirus or they're saying that it's because of coronavirus. But am I wrong on that? Or is that am I like way off base here on what's happening? Well, that's the thing. It's such a big deal to, um, you know, reveal, announce, and then ultimately uh, come out with the, the next gen stuff. And, you know, you're talking about a multi-billion dollar industry at this point. So I think that goes into into everything with the competition between Sony and Microsoft, because I, I was reading a bunch of uh, varying articles uh, leading up to this because I, I was thinking we might talk a little bit about it. So I wanted to, to make sure I was up to speed, because, again, you, you hear so many different things and you, you're not always reading the appropriate stuff online, things like that. Um, one of the articles I was reading, though, which is Forbes, which is usually pretty prominent as far as getting the right you know, writers and legit stuff. And it was kind of saying that they heard that Sony was waiting for Microsoft to go first. 
and then you hear vice versa and then it turns into our our microsoft and sony playing quote-unquote price chicken with each other but then i i read another thing and this one's definitely a rumor but supposedly it's one of those leaks where um something associated with sony uh prematurely released a statement and it said something about a big announcement tomorrow so there's a lot of speculation uh as we say we record on tuesdays tuesday the 8th presently that tomorrow, Wednesday, the 9th, uh, Sony's going to be making an announcement. And again, it's a rumor, but it is assumed that that's going to be their um, price and release date reveal. So we'll okay. see. But this has all been interesting. I, I told you, hey, Ed, most of the stuff I'm reading, both systems are going to come out around the 499 price tag mark. That seems to be what most people are saying. So Okay. So, yeah, we'll have uh, more information on that as the weeks roll on and as we get more updates and everything, too. Um, but yeah, it's kind of interesting to see where they're going with the next gen stuff because, uh, they're definitely moving in that territory, but there, there seems to be a lot of hurdles and stuff for them to overcome, uh, with coronavirus and just the typical things that companies see whenever they do stuff like that. So, um, also, uh, because you reminded me of it, uh, something else I wanted to say here this week on the show, uh, as you guys know, we record on Tuesdays and we just pretty much assumed that like every other year that, uh, HBO hard knocks would be complete by the time we record the show because we're less than a week away from football. Um, so Basically, what we said was we were going to do a full Hard Knocks review. We obviously can't do that. Um, but we are going to talk a little bit on the show this week about Hard Knocks and the first four episodes as long as well as uh, kind of an NFL preview. Um, but getting into that, there's a lot of stuff going on right now with the NFL. Uh, particularly for us as Steeler fans, we saw a lot of uh, movement and changes made this week. A surprise uh, contract signing, too. Uh, with Cam Hayward getting extended for four years, $71 million. Huge deal for him, which I'm fine with. Um, they also release guys like Ryan Switzer, thank Christ, and Jordan Berry, thank Christ, uh, the punter, and signed Dustin Colquitt, the uh, punter from the Chiefs. And we saw two former Steelers returning as Josh Dobbs, former backup quarterback, is now back on the team. And Sean Davis, uh, former starting safety, is now back on the team to be in a backup role, it seems. So, uh, yeah, man, everybody's uh, making those those last-minute decisions and things they got to do. And also, we're going to talk about this a little bit later in the show, uh, some of this fantasy football draft stuff from us, too. But, yeah, man, the uh, we're getting ready. So it's crazy that we're less than a week away at this point. Again, recording on Tuesday, day after tomorrow. Hey, Eel, the season kicks yeah. off Thursday night football. So we're we're there, and it's going to be interesting to see as as we've talked about throughout the entire summer um, with the corona and no fans. I guess some cities are going to have a certain capacity of fans, but nonetheless, it's going to be weird and interesting to see. But yeah, I like a lot of the moves the Steelers did to finalize the roster. Uh, Cam, we love him. We want him to retire in Pittsburgh. So yep. love seeing what they did. Shocking they they had that money to work with. I, I have I no idea how they're going to pull. Anyway. Dude, yeah. how are they doing this? I'll I be honest. I, I don't wow. Know. It's beyond my pay grade. So I, I But I, I know enough to know that that was pretty wild. And um, we, we spoke about it last year with the whole quarterback situation that it was kind of ironic that they got rid of Dobbs right before – Big Ben got hurt. So having him back, he knows the system. That's why they bring guys like that back. So I think that's more comfort comforting than having a, another repeat year with Mason and Duck. Just after that 
quote unquote experiment. I mean, not even experiment. It was forced through um, Big Ben's uh, year long injury. But nonetheless, yeah. I mean, I, I, I like having Dobbs on the roster than not at this point. Well, I mean, people have to remember, too, there was a time period on this team where Dobbs was number two and, and Mason Rudolph was three. So, right. And plus, they cut cut Duck Hodges. And the fact of the matter is that Josh Dobbs is a better quarterback than him. So I feel like the quarterback scenario uh, has already gotten better because of that alone. Uh, Sean Davis, who they thought was going to be our starting safety uh, for the future, um is back in a backup role in backing up Minka. So I'm very happy there. Uh, The cam signing I'm very happy with, and I normally wouldn't feel that way about a 34-year-old defensive end getting signed to a four-year contract, but I'm good with it. He's, he's He's one of those dudes that seems to get better every year, even in, you know, as he ages. So I'm fine with that. I I would often imagine, too, that they're going to save some money after this year because I don't think Stefan Tuitt's going to be here much longer. Uh, Obviously, Bud Dupree's probably not going to be staying. So they are, you know, foreseeing a lot of stuff in the future, and they're just trying to make sure that they don't drop off in other areas where they can control it. So I think it's all good moves. I think the Steelers are in the driver's seat, uh, and we're going to talk about that in the NFL segment. But, uh, you know, I think people are going to be pretty surprised what they see out of Pittsburgh this year. Yeah, the offense just needs to step up, man. If the line can step up, the the running back core can step up, the receiving core, if if Ben is back to where Ben can be, obviously. Even if he just stays healthy and, and you know, he doesn't have to throw for 5,000 yards, just be efficient, right. and they're going to be Manage right. the game, that whole thing, yep. because you got one of the top defenses. So looking forward yeah. to it. Hey, you And we got a lot more to talk about the NFL and the Steelers as well uh, later on in the show. Um, A couple other sports-related things that I wanted to mention uh, before we get to the last part here and take our usual break. Uh, A couple major league passings, um, and I'm talking legendary guys. This past week we saw Tom Seaver pass away, uh, the franchise of the New York Mets, as well as, uh, you know, base-stealing legend Lou Brock. Uh, also passed away, uh, you know, famous for playing for the St. Louis Cardinals. So those are two absolute legends, and uh, that gets mentioned on the show. I don't care. That's just bottom oh, line as far as I'm again, concerned. Again, more, more childhood stuff, man. We remember these dudes growing up. Tom Seaver, amazing pitcher and Hall of Famer. And like you mentioned, I always loved the the base dealers, dude. You know, Ricky Henderson was one of my favorites. Yep. And, uh, you know, um, Lou Brock was was up there. It's just it's one of the fun aspects of of baseball is just guys taking off and the the catch. And we don't see that anymore. Run. Guys don't that's steal what I mean. bases like that anymore. You nope. know, that's a lost art. I don't know if you caught. I, I'm sorry because it's not in front of me. I just thought of it. I, I wish I could reference it, and I can't. I don't even have the time to just throw it on the the, the, the interwebs. Uh, but there was a game where a dude stole all every base this year. Did you catch that? I didn't. No. Yeah, I was going nuts. We'll have to look that up. Any of our you know peeps out there in the interwebs help us out um, through the Twitter. Dude, this is just a complete side note, but I was thinking about this towards the tail end of last week, um, and I don't even really have an, a reason or an answer why. I wasn't particularly doing anything else, but for some reason there was like a four- or five-day period where I paid absolutely no attention to baseball NBA playoff games like I was just out of it there for a few days and Jesus it was a bad time for me to do that because a lot of stuff happened including like first round finishes in the NBA playoffs I just 
I'm just not used to that stuff happening this time of year, and it's pretty evident that, like, I, I consistently forget this stuff is happening even though I watch it. That's the thing. Like, I think that we got used to... Uh, we, we spoke about it at the uh, beginning of the show with the your own kind of bubble thing. And yep. you get used to just how you're living. And we've, we were fiending for sports. You know, we talk week in and week out about it here on the show, Ed. Like, we couldn't wait for sports to start in any semblance, you know, even yep. if it was going to be weird and all that. And I was the same way. I mean, there's, there's times where I, it's like in my head, I'm like, dude, I'm just going to sit down and watch some baseball, you know. But, but to your point, then there's other times where I'm like, you know, in the like Cobra Kai or something like that yeah. or yep. like starting to play Tony Hawk. And then, yeah, like you said, a couple weeks go by and you're like, dude, I have no clue what's going on in pro sports right now. And I'm a huge pro sports guy and couldn't wait for him to be back. Yeah. It's just very weird. I mean, I'm planning, I'm sure just like you are is paying attention to football. Um, but like even this past weekend, we saw some college get started and I have, I couldn't even tell you what games happened, who won, if like it, like when I first heard about it, I was like, wait a minute, are these games that count, or are these just like are they scrimmaging, or what is go? Like I'm just out of sorts with a lot of stuff because a lot of things are happening outside of schedule. You know what I mean? When we've never seen the NBA playing in September, we've never seen hockey playing in September. You know, and it's and we've never seen Major League Baseball be to the point like right now where it's like they've been playing games have been happening, obviously. But like there was no all star break. There was no like all the time things are just out of sort. So it just seems like none of it's real almost except for football, which is happening on time. Yep. And maybe, you know, a big thing, too, again, being big sports advocates and and really couldn't wait to see anything not having a, a I won't even give credence to the Pittsburgh Pirates you know not having a, a team in the mix at all and then yep. what happened to the Penguins I think that threw us off too and our focus kind of ultimately goes to the Steelers um and, and real quick hey Ed I just want to throw this at you because I was able to jump on the interwebs as we were speaking here just to throw that out since I referenced it but it was about August 26th game it was the um Mets, ironically, shout out to, to Tom Seaver in uh, the Miami Marlins. Okay. And just real quick breakdown, because um, this was the scenario, hey, Ed, since you missed it. John Birdie, it says, took matters into his own hands or actually his own two feet to help the Marlins manufacture an insurance run on Tuesday in game two of a doubleheader against the Mets. After walking against Jars Familia to lead off the sixth inning, Bertie pulled off the rare stolen base cycle against catcher Ali Sanchez in New York. The speedster swiped second and third and then caught the Mets napping on a delayed steal of home. And I actually caught that on SportsCenter or whatever. I was going nuts. So um, glad that popped in my head and we were able to throw that on the show to check it out. Dude, that's just thinking what I know about baseball. Like, I'm not familiar with the Mets catcher, but dude literally has to be horrible. Like, (laughs) no one's afraid of your arm at all. I'm stealing every fucking base. Like, and I don't care if the dude's fast or not because there's plenty of fast guys in in Major League Baseball, and there are catchers that will absolutely gun you the fuck out. This dude pulled off the uh, the Willie Mays haze. (laughs) Yeah, exactly, in a fucking real game like against (laughs) real Major League pitching. Like, that's... Jesus Christ, that's insane. So, yeah, I, I'm going to look that up myself because I didn't see it. So Yeah, it's worth catching. It's, it was cool. Now, uh, before we take a break here, we're getting into the meaty uh, story of the week here. 
And uh, usually on the podcast, when it comes to meaty stuff, you're, you're, you're talking movie-related stuff for us, and the other thing is professional wrestling. Oh, I thought you were so, going to say the J. Well, no, we don't. I don't. You like talking about the J. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, they're meaty as hell. I don't even know how to explain this other than Vince McMahon has apparently lost his fucking mind again. Um, it's It was reporting earlier uh, this week in a Wrestling Inc. exclusive that WWE talent is no longer allowed to engage with third parties, and Vince McMahon issued an edict giving the superstars 30 days to cease all existing agreements. The violation of the rule could lead to possible fines, suspensions, and even termination of contracts. The third parties are said to include Cameo, Twitch, TikTok, YouTube, and other such platforms. The story has predictably garnered severe backlash from the fans, and the backstage reaction within the company hasn't been that favorable either. Fightful confirmed the story to be true in a Fightful Select report. Fightful also revealed the early backstage reactions to Vince McMahon's controversial decree. It has been revealed that many main superstar, many main roster superstars didn't even hear about the news as they had only glanced over Vince McMahon's letter. Other roster members who read the letter were apparently livid regarding the request. It was not revealed that one top talent whose name has not been revealed wasn't upset. Uh, the talent believed that Cameo certainly affected the virtual meet-and-greet market that has been a crucial aspect of the interactions between fans and wrestlers. A longtime superstar felt the new rule is only setting up WWE for a very tough situation. The WWE talent are classified as independent contractors, and it was noted that Vince McMahon's latest edict was dealing with a very foggy area. Word going around backstage was that the WWE management was quite upset with sensitive information getting leaked during live streams. As reported, Vince McMahon had a call with talent in which he revealed the company's plan to reinvent the product. He even sent a letter to the talent following the call, and an excerpt of it can be read below, which I'm going to read for you guys here. Some of you guys, or some of you are engaged in outside third parties using your name and likeness in ways that are detrimental to our company. It is imperative that these activities be terminated within the next 30 days, which would lead up to Friday, October 2nd. Continued violations will re result in fine, suspension, or termination at WWE's discretion. Uh, this was such a big deal that this even got notification this past weekend on the AEW All Out pay-per-view where there was a marriage announcement between Penelope Ford and Kip Sabian, and they also promoted their Twitch in a joking manner on a sign at the end of the promo that they cut, uh, which yeah, was, was clearly funny. done as a dig to WWE. And uh, there was even a few WWE talents speaking out this past weekend, one of which that I saw was Paige. Uh, on Twitter where she was essentially saying, like, I'm not deleting shit. Um, and clearly this is a bad move, and it even got uh, some attention from former Democratic presidential candidate Andrew Yang uh, as he went on CNN and specifically brought up the WWE and, uh, you know, their, their trade practices with their talent. And uh, we've been saying stuff like this for years that wrestlers should probably unionize. And there's been a lot of articles and stuff that have popped up over the weekend since this became news. Uh, and this might be the time that, you know, would be a good time to strike. But, you know, just me personally, the way that I've, you know, dealt with pro wrestling and what I know about the business and what I've known about the business since I've been a fan for, you know, almost 40 years at this point. Um, you know, it's probably not going to happen. But it probably uh, should happen, and it, it's definitely in everybody's best interest for it to happen. 
Uh, corporate professional wrestling. Hate y'all. Say it with me. Like such a oxymoron of a concept, but that's that's what WWE is, man. And they're not a multi-billion-dollar business for nothing, as we say. And it's it's easy to sit there and and easily see against the big bad corporation side, but you you kind of can see where they're coming from too. They're going to do anything and everything they can to monetize their talent. And they're going to try but and it's keep as to, much money in their pocket as they can. It's That's possible. What they do. And that, but it's up to the wrestlers, like you said, to, to do something about it. And like, you know, Vince McMahon and company want to eat, uh, you know, eat, what's the statement? I'm brain farting as I always do on the show. Hey, Ed, but have your cake and eat it too. Oh yeah. You know, it's yep. like, Oh, we, we want you to be independent contractors and we're going to, traditionally as it's been told by actual wrestlers from the past be treated like shit in a lot of situations and and beat up treated like meat and be an independent contractor pay for certain injuries that happen on the job not all of them most of those are covered but all kinds of muddy waters and the bottom line is at the end of the day you have this multi-billion dollar business still trying to take stuff away from their talents as simple as like cameo videos and, and stuff well, dude, that comes with 2020 and they're independent contractors. You bring a really good perspective to the show here because I'm not saying that you need to like tell your entire personal situation or even what you actually do for a living, but what are you? An independent contractor. Exactly. Does anyone in the world dictate to you the movies you could make, or maybe you know, like you go, to, you do your day to day job, but like if I called you with a great investment, is there anyone in the world that can stop you from engaging in that investment because they own a piece of you? Hell no, because that's that's the other side of the double edged sword. Hey Ed, so you got two sides to anything. Nothing's True. perfect. Everything's balanced. Yin and yang, black and white, gray areas. And as an independent contractor, one of the you know you don't have any sort of a safety net. And of course, it depends on your specific situation. So just talking about my stuff, it's like you don't have a safety net. You got to bust your ass to do your own shit. The the other side of the double edged sword. The good part about it. One of the biggest positives that. I look at, at my position is that I have freedom. I don't have a boss. I'm my own boss. I can do what the fuck I want. Well, that's you how know, you made your last off, movie. Exactly. I was just going to say, I've taken off like almost a month and a half to film my movie because I was able to save and set myself up and appropriately take the time off. It didn't hurt my business at all because I'm an independent contractor and WWE wrestlers fall under that umbrella, but they still get dictated like crazy. I mean, this is just one example, mm-hmm. and I'm glad it became a major news story. Me because too. Because it sheds light on it, you know? And again, you're talking about a multi-billion dollar business, and, and like so many multi-billion dollar businesses right down right now, like even looking directly at Hollywood, which is kind of a WWE parallel, looking at college sports and the NCAA mm-hmm. and, and uh, the NFL and these billionaires that now they're getting affected by this by this virus and this pandemic. And, and you see what they're doing now. And again, we all got to do what we need to do there. I'll say it again. They're multi-billion dollar businesses for a reason. They, they know economics, they know how to make money, but you can see how this is affecting all these different businesses now because the WWE hasn't had fans. They're probably losing out on how much, however much money. The wrestlers have never had this much leverage. Never. Exactly. Exactly. Hey, Ed. So in my opinion, they should do something to take advantage of it. Um, like you said, I know Paige spoke out. I know that uh, Dude, Xavier Woods has a huge Twitch channel that it seems like that's like a second income to high health for it him. It absolutely is. There's no doubt about that. It's You know what the thing? I don't know who the right person would be for this, um, but 
if I'm in the business, right, do you know what I'm trying to do right now as we speak? If I feel the same way that I personally feel, okay, um, I'm immediately trying to get someone on the horn with Stone Cold, with The Rock, and get them speaking out about this and how it's important for wrestlers to unionize and how it would be, you know, from their past experiences and leading into the future, why they think that's important. Because if they get somebody like The Rock on their side, then something like this really starts to get traction. Steve Austin the same way, but to a lesser degree, because he's he's bigger in the world of wrestling than The Rock is, but that's it. Nowhere else is, is Stone Cold a bigger name. So the, the wrestlers need to get guys like that on their side. I would even say somebody like Hulk Hogan, but but he ain't going to do it, and that's not a good thing at this point to be associated with him anyway. So, uh, the, you know, I think The Rock would be the perfect guy. And we might even, you know, the, the bigger the story gets, you might even see him weigh in on it. And obviously, if he feels the same way that I do, then that's, uh, you know, these are major, major allies in that world that can help lead to something like that actually happening because you're going to need a wrestler just like you see in like the NFL to be head of the wrestlers union. You know what I mean? So, and the rock would be a perfect guy to do, not even saying he would want to do that, but like he would be the perfect guy to do something like that. I mean, it's, it's fresh. It pretty much just broke. So, um, you know, this, this might, might be the tip of the, like, you know, the beginning of the beginning is what I'm trying to say. And, um, I know I was reading this one article where it was saying an anonymous superstar, I guess, was interviewed about it yep. and was describing these third party platforms as a way to make additional revenue like we've been discussing. Mm-hmm. But specifically now during the pandemic, WWE has halted their live events, touring and other things. So that means no bonuses or merchandise royalties, which these wrestlers rely on. Mm-hmm. So they have to go outside the box to make money. And then you have people like um, like the pre-forementioned uh, – Xavier Woods that already has an established Twitch channel. And he's you had have one somebody for like AJ years. Styles for years. He's built like a whole thing. AJ Styles has jumped on it, but that's AJ Styles. So he's able to have a big audience and grow that pretty much initially. The lower end guys, they, they need this to survive and provide for their families. Yep. So of course the other side of the coin, like we're, we're discussing, it's not a one-sided thing. The WWE from a company and business standpoint, they see this as a way to protect their intellectual property and brand. But when they're saying that the main reason is they're getting uncomfortable with management on some of the, like, I guess more personal stuff that's revealed from their WWE characters. Well then dude, make a precedent about that. Find somebody that, that like does something like messed up or whatever, but don't take the whole thing away because of just like creative shit. Yeah, it's it's really stupid. like I don't want I don't want him to see uh, Roman Reigns in his kitchen, pal. Yeah, that well, ceramic tile backsplash. He wouldn't have that. Well, it's like, see what? on one hand you want the the superstars to engage in social media because it's essentially just nonstop advertising for you, um, and it also helps build their you know, fan base and things like that. The bigger they are, the more the WWE is making. Absolutely. And then you're right. It's like a double-edged sword where they're kind of like, you know, well, we only want to do what's good for us. And that's not how it works. Like these people are, then you know what? Here, fine. Vince can get his way. It's very simple. Make everybody an employee. Then they can't do shit. Exactly. So would you, as a wrestler then, would you trade your third party income and everything to just essentially make money under the guise of the company, but you basically get health care and a pension and everything that, you know, anybody else in a typical situation like that would get as an employee? It depends on who you are in the company. 
exactly. That's the thing about but that, but, but the thing is, most of the lower level guys, I'd most say like lower level guys are going to want that. Seventy five percent of the company is going to want that. Yeah. Yep, I agree. But yeah, to, to my point, to not remember on the fly here on the podcast, one of the most cliched American sayings of all time. <laughs> you know, you can't have your cake and eat it too. But that 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 is what it is. You know, it's like Vince McMahon always like like you can't do this or that. And meanwhile, it's you know you're a fucking independent contractor. I, you know, I'll, I'll throw a personal story just because this is a, a good place for it. When I did my tryout match on when I was on the independent scene, I got called in for a WWE tryout in OVW at the time and Crash Holly was there. And we were talking to Crash Holly a, a few of us guys that were the the indie guys getting tryouts and he was he was kind of breaking it down to us at the time. And of course I'm sure it's changed, but what he told us is he's like, "Look guys, I make a, around 110,000 a year gross, but I spend about 40,000 a year on my own on the road." Yep. That's rental cars, hotels, like Vince McMahon they, paid, paid for, I guess, certain flights, they, not all. They get that stuff now. They get the rental cars and they get the hotel rooms and stuff paid for them now in a lot of a lot of instances. But, yeah, so that's another thing that's, you know, but they still have to spend a lot of money on the road, even if that is the case. Yeah, and I don't know, like, what kind of write-offs and, and stuff, but the bottom line, the whole point to bringing that up within this story is that wrestlers need to do what they can as independent contractors, especially during a pandemic when, like we mentioned, there's no live events, there's none of this this extra money that you rely on going on, and then for the company to have, the, you know, uh, again, we'll, we'll emphasize that, a multi-billion dollar company, even though they're getting hit now too, we get that, to take that away from them, which... Uh, I think that's why this is such a story. Is that lawful for them to even do? I think that's what they're going to run into because the last I heard was Vince McMahon announced this and sent this email and it was kind of vague. It's kind of what we're reporting. Yeah. So there was no real specifics on exactly but they did, what is going to happen. Well, so supposedly during the upcoming tapings, they're going to call a bunch of meetings with the talent. Well, so they've I, already I, done. I think this is uh, going to get broken more. They've already done some of it. So I was reading about this earlier today, and what they said, they kind of clarified and said, like, anything you do as a third party has to be under your real name, and we have to know about it. So they're kind of walking it back already, which is, you know, a complete indication that the talent here has all the leverage. Like, that's why they should push it even further at this point. Um, because the WWE is in a position where if their their talent walks out right now, they're fucked. So they essentially need to deal with the talent one way or another. And I really thought it was a shitty scenario. Like we mentioned Paige a couple times, Paige can't wrestle anymore. So like, you're really fucking with her income because she can't even do the stuff that you want her to do. And I'm sure she would rather be healthy and be able to do that stuff, but she can't. So now you're affecting with the, one of the few man, the few ways that she's managed to bring an income relating to her career. That means that she doesn't have to break her neck further to do it. I get it if she's up on there saying cunt this, cunt that, or, you know, again, obvious discretions. But other than that, I just don't think they have a right to to, to, to fuck with that. Yeah, I mean, I, I would understand if they were like, you know, no, Lana, you can't go do fucking cam porn, you know, like, or something. Yeah. Like, I understand that to a degree, but it's like, but at the same time, like, you don't have a right. Like, if somebody wants to, like, you know, if Xavier Woods created that entire YouTube channel, the up, up, down, down thing, or, what you know, whatever you want to call it, and has managed to find a way to merchandise that show, then it's bullshit. Him. Yeah, it's bullshit to take yeah. money out of his hands from that. That's not right, because he did all this himself. 
Um, even though it is based through his character and stuff like that, the WWE's also benefited from that. You know what I mean? There's a lot of gamers and stuff that got it, got back into wrestling and shit through them when otherwise they would have had no reason to. So it does work both ways. And again, it's the WWE always wanting their cake and eat it too. I'm fully on the side of the talent on this one. I think you'd probably agree with that too. And that's coming directly from somebody sure. that's a, an independent contractor in real life and what they do to make a living for their, their themselves and their family. So And Xavier Woods, um, since I think he's a prominent guy to go to for this specific scenario said uh, a quote to new legacy inc i don't have any answers i have no answers i have no idea what is going on i think i'm fine i think most people are fine but we'll find out i don't know i'm not the person to ask i wish i knew more but i don't unfortunately we're going to stream as much as we can for as long as we can i'm just trying to build an audience so that when my g4 uh so when i get my g4 gig we have a built-in crew keep my game name alive. So, so yeah, I, I think a lot of people don't really know the full details or specifics on this regarding this kind of vague email. So, um, you know, breaking news within this, Hey, you know, here on what's real. And as we always do, we'll keep our eyes on what's going on in the future on this. Absolutely. So, uh, we have a huge show lined up for you guys, as I said earlier. So it's getting ready to time to take a break and pay some bills. Uh, but when we come back, guys, we're going to have a full NFL preview. We're going to talk some fantasy football. We're going to talk hard knocks. And we're even going to give you our individual power rankings of every NFL team going into the season. So stay tuned, guys. We'll be back right after this on the What's Real podcast. Hey everyone, this is The J with the What's Real Podcast, here today for the unsung movie from Churchill Pictures in association with Cut and Run Studios, distributed by Bayview Entertainment. The unsung, in an old industrial town, a homeless man, Eric, roams the streets looking for a place to rest when he comes across a young girl, Samara, in danger. He runs to her aid and as a kind gesture, she leads him to a homeless village where he is inspired by the friendships he makes there. Soon, he finds himself involved in the search for a serial killer while running afoul of the lead detective. The Unsung is now available to stream digitally to rent or own on Vimeo.com through a direct link at ChurchillPictures.com and now is available on Amazon Prime Video to rent or own. Go to ChurchillPictures.com, Vimeo.com, or AmazonPrimeVideo.com to check out The Unsung today. Hope lives in the shadows. Hey everyone, this is The J with the What's Real podcast, here to talk about the feature film Deference from Churchill Pictures in association with Cut and Run Studios. Deference, two best friends get in deep with the head of Pittsburgh's most dangerous crime operation and are forced to choose between their friendship and their lives. Deference is available to rent or own today through streaming at Vimeo.com, ChurchillPictures.com, or on AmazonPrime.com. Also, pre-order USB hard copies of Deference now. Churchill Pictures' first feature film will soon be available to own in a hard copy format. The film will be available on a USB flash drive, preserving its best quality and exclusive collector's edition packaging. To pre-order, simply email us at churchillpicturesllc at gmail.com to reserve your copy today. Only $9.99 plus shipping. Deference. When tradition fades, order preserves respect. Check it out today at churchillpictures.com, vimeo.com, or streaming on Amazon Prime. And we're back here on the show, guys. It is time for a massive, and I mean massive, 
NFL segment here. Uh, of course, we have our NFL preview, and I told you our power rankings we'll be doing later on in the, the segment here. Uh, first up, let's talk a little Hard Knocks. Uh, as you guys know, HBO's Hard Knocks uh, was... It's getting to the, the final point of, of the season, uh, but for the first time ever, they did two teams this year. They did both Los Angeles teams, of course, I mean the Rams and the Chargers, in a combined effort on the show, and it's funny how that worked out because I think that's one of the few reasons why they were actually able to do this show this year uh, with coronavirus being such a big factor and the preseason being canceled. Um, so the season essentially starts out in the exact way that you think it does with everybody arriving to camp and everything. But the first episode is essentially showing you all of the stuff they're doing with coronavirus, meaning the testing, the precautions, how they need to have meetings. And I, this was something that I wanted to see going into the series, and I was glad that that's what the first episode was, because as a football fan, I was like, I got to see how they're doing this. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing about this season, Hey Ed, which crazy enough because i don't know it's just the timing on everything it's just weird getting older i guess i go back to that but the 15th season of hard knocks this is crazy it just feels like it kind of just started but i guess you know when you really put it in perspective but it's just one of those things you see 15th season and our man lieb schreiber back doing the the great narration so i always got to yeah he's really good on Uh, there he's the best Uh, but yeah, this this had so many interesting things uh, with it uh, being the first ever season with two teams. Obviously, like you mentioned, the Corona era and to see all all the stuff that went in with that. And then on top of all of it, it's the first time in Sophie Stadium, the five billion dollar project that had lured both teams Jesus. from their previous homes in the first place. So, um, but yeah, like the the episode, I, I don't want to jump ahead, but when they walk in there, I mean, it's fucking ridiculous. But for five billion dollars, as I always say, hey y'all. It better be, <laughs> mm-hmm. but yeah, a lot of cool, so, a lot of cool things to cover in this. Now they showed too, like obviously how the players get tested, and you know, obviously there were some players and coaches and people that came down with COVID, um, and they were kind of showing how they were dealing with that. But I mean, really, a lot of this, you know, especially after the first episode, they started to get into some of the personalities and everything, and they were really just trying to capture what felt like normalcy as much as they possibly could. Um, but it's really weird, man, because you're seeing a lot of the practice and what's going on here to prepare for the season. Um, and I said this to, to somebody the other day. So the NFL season, the, the start of the NFL season, is either going to be amazing or it's going to be horrible. Guys are going to look like shit, which is very possible because it, it seems like in a normal NFL season, a lot of the guys and starters in the NFL don't really play a whole lot until the last few games. So the first you know, like three NFL games of the season, everybody's still getting their footing, getting into shape, and nobody is near what they're going to be for the entire season. And it's probably going to be more so this year. And coinciding with that, Hey Ed, which I don't know how this is going to impact the game, the flow of the game, how the guys are playing. And some, some like insiders might eye roll at this, but the lack of fans for football, I feel, because we've seen how the other sports have adapted and how it is. For football, I feel like uh, an adrenaline part is a big factor. Yep. It's obviously a big thing for home uh, field advantage with defenses, um, yep. you know, and the crowd messing up with the offense sound. So I'm not saying that's going to make or break the the gameplay, but I think that's going to be a big factor too that, that I haven't heard too much talk about leading into it from like talking heads in the NFL and things like that. 
Yeah, and I know that there are teams planning on having fans at different parts of the season. And even if it does happen exactly the way they're planning on it, it's still not going to be a significant amount. You're talking about, like, you know, at the very best side of things, you're going to have a crowd in an NFL stadium that resembles that of, like, a high school championship game that's sold out, which isn't much. You're talking, like, maybe 6,000 fans in a game in in stadiums that fit anywhere from, you know, 65 to 100,000 people. Um, so it's definitely going to be weird. Um, it's going to take some getting used to, and it's definitely going to be a season that's kind of a standout season. And that could be for good or bad, but it's going to be a lot different. And that's that's pretty evident here just from the first, let's say, like two episodes of the show. Think about a guy coming out of uh, Texas or even you know the Pittsburgh area teams that they've been playing in front of big crowds since they were like in midget football, <laughs> let yeah, alone high yep. school and beyond. So. Uh, you know, I think that's just going to be an interesting aspect uh, when we're kind of bringing up leading into the, the actual games, uh, like you mentioned, not having um, preseason and things. And one of the first things on the outset here as well, Hey Ed, was I, I think it was pretty interesting to see that the testing was stringent and um, it, it seems like they did a really good job. I mean, they definitely weren't messing around, which was kind of the point. Yeah. But they, yep. they thoroughly go into that, and it was definitely unique and in, in a cool aspect of the whole series here in, in this season of Hard Knocks to kind of see the evolution of how it was like really weird amongst the players at first. And then as the season progresses, you could see them kind of getting used to just this, like we've been saying, bubble kind of situation and, and the situation yep. they were in. Like That's what humans do. We adapt, and you're kind of seeing that with, with the NFL players in their camps here. Yep, and – you know, okay, so basically the first episode was really interesting, and the second episode was kind of a, more of a return to normalcy, like what you see from Hard Knocks generally, where they're getting into the player personnel and things like that. And that's exactly what the third episode was. You saw, like, some funny stuff with Aaron Donald and, and a lot of the other players, uh, as well as the coaches and stuff on the Chargers. Um, but to me... This is the first time I started to notice this when I was watching the show. Things were starting to run a little bit dry. You could tell that there wasn't a whole lot going on. They were kind of struggling for footage. And it's not like it was a total bore or anything like that, but there just really wasn't a lot for them to work with here with what was happening. There were no pre... Like, remember, you know, generally in seasons on, on Hard Knocks, they always show you, like, the first few preseason games and how the roster's kind of shaping up. And, you know, that was not the really the case here. You didn't really have a good grasp on any new players or anything like that you could tell they weren't even bothering to like put a focal point on guys that were going to be cut um just because it's like you guys are going to be cut whatever it's there's no time for personality even because normally too with the show one of the things they'll have, they'll show like players doing stuff in their free time and they really just didn't do that this season at all there was no a b running amok like last year's that's for sure um yep I, I, I like they they um they did pinpoint a couple guys that stood out. There was uh and the the research page I pulled up doesn't have a specific name, so I apologize for that. But it was the the one kid. He's a, a young kid, um, but I liked him a lot. He was a middle linebacker. He was the son of a former NFL player that's actually Brett Favre's best friend. Yep. So at one point he was on a um, three way Zoom call with with Brett Favre. He like calls him Uncle Brett or whatever. And um, there was another Samoan guy that was pretty cool. Um, yeah, 
yep. that they they followed. So there was a couple of those Offensive guys that they found. Yeah, and um, another really cool aspect um, towards one of the beginning episodes, Hey Ed, was the fact that the um, Chargers coach actually um, Anthony Lynn actually had Corona. Yep. And he talks about it with the the team psychologist or whoever that was comes in and he's like, you know, I don't want to you know, disrespect you or make you feel weird or anything, coach, but can I talk to you a bit about it? And he's like, oh, yeah, sure. And he he explains everything, um, you know, from his experience. And, and I think that, again, goes into one of the most interesting things about this season and hearing his personal perspective on having the coronavirus. And yep. that was a really cool part. And episode four was probably my favorite of the season uh, because this was the episode uh, essentially that highlighted everything that happened after the uh, essential murder of Jacob or not murder because he didn't die, but he was paralyzed. But whatever you want to call the situation, it was horrendous with Jacob Blake being shot in the back seven times. And I'm talking everything from seeing uh, Sean McVay uh, watch the video. Yeah, uh, that was talk, and, that was wild. And and talk to one of his coaches who is a black man about how he feels about the situation and a lot of the players talking amongst each other and coaches talking to each other and how they feel just being who they are in this country today and being a football player and where they're all individually from and the things that they grew up around and their families and it it was a it was a pretty wild episode just to kind of see the inside of, of everything and how it works and the perspectives that were given on it and just everything. Uh, it was, it, it really made for one of the most interesting episodes of the season. Um, and seeing like, you know, just how players are processing the information and how everybody's dealing with each other. And, you know, it seemed for the most part, a lot of guys were really, you know, taken back by it as they should, because it should never be a normal thing when we see stuff like this happen, uh, whether it's on video or not. Um, it's, it's just kind of a sad thing. And, you know, it's something that is not unusual in the United States of America. Coach Lynn in particular had a lot of good speeches, a lot of good commentary throughout this series. I liked him a lot. I, I like both of the coaches. I like McVay a lot I, too. Yeah. McVay I, I, is more of a dick to me. I, I don't know. It's just certain. He has that kind of cocky. Yeah, exactly. Like the yeah. cocky young coach vibe, which, but, Hey, you know, he, he has been but a I'm winning a f- coach. I'm a big fan of Anthony Lynn. I think that dude, yeah, he like just him. comes across like he really has his shit together as a coach, like which I like. Speaking of he, having your shit together, dude, I'll, I'll have one for you good. after this. Sorry, hey, did I finish that? Well, no, uh-huh. I was just going to say, and the Chargers aren't very good either. So, like, no, We'll see that know, in the power rankings. Uh, yeah, exactly. But, yeah, my fault. I didn't mean to cut you off there. Um, no, just wanted really. to go in with your, your shit uh, comment. Because <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I wanted to make a lighten things up from some serious talk, maybe to even go into wrapping up our thoughts on uh, this year's Hard Knocks. But I, I believe it was the first episode. <laughs> McVeigh's like yelling at the dudes. He's like, "And I'm telling you, do not take a shit in the porta potties." Yeah. And like they're they're like warming up and they're joking that the Hard Knocks crew have been leaving deuces in the porta potties because they can't use the bathrooms inside the practice facility. And I'm yeah. like, well, how are they supposed to take shits then? Like, you know. <laughs> but Aaron yeah, Donald was hilarious. I'm mad somebody dropped a deuce in there. Dude, I thought the the one part too was kind of funny. They should, he was like getting dressed on the bench, and it's like he just starts flexing, and like, <laughs> yeah, and then huge. he's like, 
He's like, did you guys get it? And they were like, yeah, we got it. And he's like, all right, cool. Now, can I, like, get dressed? Like, can you, like, leave me alone? <laughs> yeah, leave me the fuck alone. <laughs> uh, which was great. But, uh, but yeah, it's. I just found myself wanting a lot more than what we normally get, which I, it's not their fault. I understand it. And obviously, too, we can't really talk about the fifth episode. I'm sure we'll, we'll talk over uh, that a little bit next week uh, during our opening segment of the podcast, too, because we're probably going to watch it, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, but, you know, overall, uh, I felt they did the best that they could, but it was kind of just like a dry season. It was definitely dry, but, again, we, we kind of covered some of the – the highlights uh, throughout, which there were some, I think it's, you know, it's definitely worth watching if you're a fan of the NFL and to kind of see the inside and the behind the scenes on how teams are dealing with the pandemic era. So I like that, that aspect of it. And, and like you said, it wasn't um, the, the best season of hard knocks ever, but it, it was interesting enough to me and the episodes still seem to fly by. It's always been a well-paced show uh, just because of how much I love the NFL. So. Yeah, and that's going to be very apparent here in this next part that we're going to talk about. Um, but that would be fantasy football. Uh, me and you both had drafts and stuff over the last weekend, and obviously we spoke about that uh, previously. So let's get down to uh, what we're dealing with. You're in two different leagues. I'm just in one. Um, but let's get into it here in detail. Uh, let's hear some of the let, – let, just give us the bench first because it's not anything we're going to talk about in super detail. But yeah, yeah. I'll just what's, your, run, what's your bench looking like right I'll now just run for, through for your two teams? Yeah, so uh, I'm in the Rivers Edge League and the Stillers League, and uh, the Rivers Edge team is the Blue Dragons. And, of course, my infamous team in the Stillers League are the Purple-Headed Warriors. And I created mascot like logos for both of them that I've had since the outset. So that those are hilarious too. I get my balls busted all the time, but I'm a creative person. <laughs> so I even have to get creative with fucking fantasy hey. football, you know? Um, but yeah, to run down my bench, um, because it's the bench, it might come off kind of weird, but I have McCole Hardman, KC wide receiver. I have Anthony Miller, Chicago bear wide receiver. I have Cam Newton as my backup quarterback. I have Eric Ebron actually on the bench uh, as a backup a tight one. end, and I have Jarvis Landry as a wide receiver. And that's a good good bench, man. It's not bad. Um, How many people are in that league, by the way? That one, both are twelve men leagues. Um, okay, but I think they're both PPR, but one's a little bit different than the other. And okay. I'm I'm just a goof, so I don't know like the specifics. But um, the bench on the Blue Dragons, hey all, I have. Sorry, I got to go back here. Um, oh, I'm sorry. That was the Blue Dragons. So this is the Purple-Headed Warriors. Uh, so, yeah, this this roster has more guys. So this has more guys on my bench. Um, okay. I have Curtis Samuel, uh, Carolina receiver. I have two backup quarterbacks in this. Or I'm sorry, I have Cam Newton again. I didn't even realize that. As a backup. I, <laughs> I hope he does good in New England this year. They didn't even officially announce him as a starter yet. So we'll he's, have to see about that. Be. I do too. Hopefully he's healthy. Uh, TJ Hawkinson, um, a Detroit tight end. tight end, Robbie Anderson, Carolina receiver, Christian Kirk, a Arizona receiver, Sony That's Michelle and uh, Rob Gronkowski on the bench tight end because I have George Kittle. We'll wow, get into the starters later, but so you're you're good with the tight ends in that league, boy. Yeah. Jesus, <laughs> yeah, Kittle and Gronk can't can't go wrong with that. Yeah, that's amazing. So what do you got? So, hey, you got throw it at us. Uh, all right, I'm in the something old is something new league here, and uh, we are a non PPR league. But here is the bench situation for me. You got a team I'm name? A, uh, I I was the Ed. Uh, <laughs> well, no, I I was very inspired by Washington this year. So with the big F on my helmet, this is the bench lineup for 
football team. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, so my backup tight end is Kyle Rudolph from Minnesota. We got uh, wide receivers Miles Boykin from Baltimore, Larry Fitzgerald uh, as well from Arizona. Always a go-to. Ba- backup running backs, uh, Carlos Hyde from Seattle, and uh, Edmonds from Arizona, who's most likely going to be cut. That was actually a mistake on my part to even draft him. Yeah, it's good um, to have a trade slot or a you know turn-in slot. Backup kicker Jason Myers from Seattle, and uh, backup quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo from San Francisco. Not bad. Not so bad. now we're going to get into this a little bit differently for starters. So the J, who's your starting kicker in both leagues? Yeah, so the Blue Dragons have uh, Zerline from Dallas. Okay. And the Purple-Headed Warriors have – what? I'm a goof. I'm just realizing this. Zerline from the Cowboys. Same I like, one. I shouldn't have drafted two nights in a row. <laughs> That's hilarious, though. But he's not bad. Hey, he's a Yeah, he's a kicker. good kicker, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I got super lucky uh, because I thought Jason Myers would have been fine anyways, but my starting kicker, I got Butker from Kansas City, who I'm expecting big numbers from this year. So I'm happy there, very much so. Uh, Next up, the Jay starting defense. So for the Blue Dragons, we got the Buffalo D. Mm -hmm. And the Purple-Headed Warriors, big surprise with the Jay here. We have a pattern, Buffalo D. Did you do you have backup defenses or did you just go with one? Just one so far, yeah. That's the same thing I did, and I got lucky again, and I'm expecting huge things here. But I got the 49ers defense. Nice. So, all right, now we got the flex positions. I don't know how you do yours. I have two slots for the flex in we my have one. In my league. Okay, so give me your flex players for your, for both your teams. Sure. So the Blue Dragons. I have David Johnson. Okay. And the Houston Purple-Headed Warriors. Back. Yeah, Houston running back. And the Purple-Headed Warriors, I have Cohen from Chicago. Okay, that's pretty good. Uh, I got two in my league, obviously. I have Marlon Mack, uh, running back from the Colts. And I have wide receiver from the Cowboys, C.D. Lamb, the rookie. Uh, oh, not bad. going to get the start uh, for me. Yeah, he's a sleeper. Uh, so, tight end. Who's your starting tight ends? I have Zach Ertz for the Blue Dragons. And as I mentioned, uh, gave a little spoiler earlier, I have uh, George Kittle. Okay. PH Dubs. And I got Tampa's tight end, Rob Gronkowski, as my starter. So I'm pretty happy with that. I'm not expecting huge numbers, but I'm expecting They still has Brady. They have that chemistry. I think I think he'll be good. Next up, I don't. how many running backs do you do in your leagues? Two. Okay, so I just have one, so I'll give mine. My starting running back is uh, Jones from Green Bay. Uh, I figured that was a pretty good pick, and that was my second-round draft pick overall. Not bad. I have in the uh, Blue Dragons one that could be a a big one this year, Austin Eckler from the Chargers. I think so. I think that's a great pick. And James White from New New England. England. And then, I think he'll get. I think his numbers will be better with Cam as his quarterback. I honestly. do too, and I have him in both leagues. So once again, Purple Warriors. I have James White starting, and I also have uh, Joe Mixon from Cincinnati. 
Yeah, Mixon, not no pun intended, is kind of a mixed bag. Like I think he's a super talented a terrible dude, team. but it kills yeah, you a terrible just, team. That's what sucks. But it, but if anything's going to help him, I think Burrow's going to help him as well as I. I actually think Cincinnati has pretty good receivers because if AJ Green's anything like he used to be, he'll be fine. And I think Tyler Boyd's literally one of the most underrated wide receivers in football. Period. If that dude was on like another team, he'd be an all star. Yeah. So, okay, that's cool. Um, now, next up is wide receivers. What do, you, do you do two, I'm assuming? We have three. Both oh, okay. Leagues. Both leagues. Wow. Okay. Well, hit me with your three. All right. So the Blue Dragons, I have Sterling Shepard for the Giants, who's shitty team, but we'll see. Uh, Amari Cooper and Mike Evans. So those are the saviors in that core. Yep. And then um, the PH Dubs, I have – Shepard again, so you could see what I was doing. I must have been <laughs> drunker than I thought at some point there. Um, Deshaun Jackson and uh, Keenan Allen. Okay. Uh, we start two, and uh, I went with Adam Thielen from Minnesota and my number one overall draft pick, Green Bay's Devontae Adams, who I'm excited about this year to see the kind of numbers he puts up. Yeah, man. Now, this is the big one here, too. Uh, a lot of people would say the running back position is, but I think quarterback tends to factor into the who wins a lot of times. So who you got starting quarterback for you, the Jay? This this might tell you the story. Hey, uh, both leagues, the MVP himself, Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, that's, that's who I wanted. I didn't get to pick that because I was picking seventh overall. Um, so I went wide receiver in the first round. But I did get a good quarterback. I'm, I'm not thrilled but I'm, I'm happy because I think he could have a good enough season, obviously, and that's Drew Brees from the Saints. Um, usually gets hurt, so I think Garoppolo's okay for backup if I don't need him for like five weeks or longer. Um, but I'm pretty happy with Drew Brees overall, and I think at least out of the gate week one against Tampa, he's going to have a pretty good game. Yeah. So, yeah, man. Are, so, you happy with your teams? What do you, you know, do you have anything you're particularly worried about here? Or well, what, I, I, what do you think? I, as I was coming out loud, I mean, you could kind of say it's it's going to be a, a give or take on having a lot of the same dudes on each team in both leagues because on one end, that's good because I won't be rooting against myself a lot, which can happen yep. when, when you're in two leagues. And then on the other hand, if, uh, you know, guys suck, I get double whammied yep. <laughs> that week. So, so but yeah, to your, to your point, hey, Ed, um, I, I am actually happy, like, reading that back. I, I think I could do all right. And as we know, the projected points are what they are. But in one league, I'm projected much higher for week one in my matchup. And the other league is super tight. Uh, the Blue Dragons, I, I think I'm like projected to, to lose projection points by like two points. So that kind of okay. tells the story that I did pretty good on, on drafting, I feel. How yeah, I, yeah, the same. Uh, first week, I'm expected to win. Um, it's like 56% to 44%. So it's pretty close. Um, I don't know if you look. Do you look into all your stuff? Like they give you a draft grade. Yeah, uh, through, I look at what, it. What did they give you? Um, so my draft grade. Let me see. Because I, I yeah, look mine up. So. I got to pull mine back up. I got a C plus. Now I'll tell you why. I know why here, but I'll tell you my line of thinking with mine. So basically, I got a C plus because I didn't go with a lot of the guys that were like highly ranked. 
you know, on everything. I went more with my gut than their rankings. Yeah. And I specifically did that on purpose this year because I figured with COVID and every, and the lack of prep time and everything, I specifically tried to get more of a veteran team than I did with a bunch of rookies or, got, you know, like got young guys. Inexperienced you, you guys. Exactly. Maybe a guy in a second season or something that should be taking a big step. I was, like, not willing to take the chance this year. I just went more veteran. Not smart. And it's all about going balance, I feel like with anything. And um, one, one quick thing, because they have, you know, everything in the, the modern age, just, you know, we're being tracked. Like everything is, is just set in stone. Like, <laughs> you know, when you say something on Facebook or Twitter 15 years ago, but um, I started playing in 2010. So this is my 10 year fantasy anniversary. Wow. So I just realized that looking at this, uh, the blue dragons. Hey, Ed draft grade. I got a C minus. Okay. And the purple-headed warriors, they gave me. Let's see what they gave me here. Um, a drum B. roll. Yeah. Okay. So. Yeah, and that's just horrible. you know, it's preseason rankings, so it's like you know, you never know what's going to happen, especially this season. So I'm sure that's something we'll be giving you guys updates here on the show weekly because it's something that me and the Jay both enjoy doing. And, uh, you know, we kind of throw some ideas and stuff at each other during the season, so it's always a good time. Uh, But now comes the biggie for us. This is time for our official power rankings going into the season, okay? And it's obviously a ranking of all 32 teams, so let's do it this way, the Jay. Uh, let's go down and, and give me your first two. So we'll go 32 and 31. So the worst two teams in the league from your power rankings. The Washington football team and the Jacksonville Jaguars. So is Washington 32 and yeah. Jacksonville? Okay. I actually did the opposite. I went Jacksonville 32 and Washington 31. Um, now we're just going to run them down here 10 at a time. So the J give me your 30 through 20. So from 30 down. Yeah. So I have from 30 down, some of the teams that are going to be struggling this year. And my opinion, the lions, the Panthers, the Bengals, 27 would be the giants, 26, the jets. Then we got the dolphins, the bears, the Broncos, the chargers, the Cardinals and ending out that, slew with number 20 the las vegas raiders wow okay so we have a lot of the same teams but in a lot different order so i'll give you mine counting from 30 so 30 is carolina then i went the jets then i went houston 27 detroit 26 miami 25 cincinnati 24 the giants 23 the bears 22 the raiders 21 the chargers and number 20 the arizona cardinals all right right, the j so give us 19 and uh down to last one you're going to name is 11 then and then we'll do our top 10s all right so i got um right after the raiders at 20 it's going in at 19 is atlanta the falcons then I got our uh, favorite team ever, the Browns. I say that with heavy sarcasm. <laughs> the Houston Texans are 17. Then we're going Rams, Buccaneers, Eagles, Patriots, Colts. Then the Vikings just missed the Jays' top 10 power rankings. All right. So this is where ours is going to differ a little bit. So this is interesting. So at 19, I have the Browns. Then I have the Broncos. Then I have the Falcons. Then I have the Rams at 16, just like you did. 15, the New England Patriots. 14, the Green Bay Packers. 13, the Indianapolis Colts. 12, the Minnesota Vikings. And my last team, just missing the top 10, is the Buffalo Bills. 
All right. Now, we'll go from 10 to 5, the J. So give me number 10 through uh, number 10, 9, 8, 7, 6. All right. I had to give our, our guys their props into the top 10 because I believe in them. So I have right at number 10, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Okay. Then I have 9, the Packers. 8, Cowboys. 7, Seahawks. 6, Bills. I um, ranked them a lot higher than you did, Hey, Yelp. Wow. Okay. That's no. That's Just coming fair, off though. the playoffs last year. Yeah, that's true. Was, we'll you see. put it this way: they 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 have a lot of expectations. You either believe in them or you don't. At this point, you know what I mean. Yeah. And uh, I'm a little bit different. Obviously, you believe in them a little bit more than I do. So, uh, cracking my top ten is number ten: the Titans. Number nine: the Eagles. Number eight: the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Number seven, the hometown Pittsburgh Steelers. And number six, the Dallas Cowboys. So this is going to be interesting. So we'll do this one at a time. The Jay, who you got at number five? New Orleans Saints. At number five, I have the Seattle Seahawks. Number four? The Tennessee Titans. I have the New Orleans Saints. Number three? Baltimore Ravens. Same thing here, Baltimore Ravens. Number two? 49ers. Same here. And number one, we both agree, chefs. Kansas City Chefs. Yeah, That's the top right. three, I mean, they're, if you know anything they're, about the NFL, well, I mean. Now, here's the thing. Did you go and look at any of the other, like, power rankings around the league or anything? I, I, look, I usually look at a slew of them because I don't want to be, um, you know, like, uh, what's the word, uh, influenced. Yes. You know? So, so I, I kind of get a bunch of different opinions and then kind of put my own to that. You know, I wrote mine and then I went and read a few. Okay. And I was really shocked at how many of these lists put Baltimore over San Francisco. Oh, really? Yeah. That, like, and most of the ones that I saw, it was Kansas City one, Baltimore two. I mean, I just, in my opinion, just it's, it's all on Jackson having a huge year again for them. And exactly. That, I mean, it looks it looks good. You know, I'm not saying that I, I'm big on him, but the well, other side of that is if he's off, I think that whole team's going to be off. Here's the question: What do you think is more likely that he has an exact season as last year, if not better, or the San Francisco defense is just as good last year or better? I think it's possible the defense is going to be better because it's not easy to have consecutive MVP seasons, especially like the one that he had last year. That's true. Yeah, I mean, that's, it's definitely up in the air, but that's, that's another huge factor, man, because we, we said it was, it, it's getting them tighter in the last few seasons in the NFL with defenses. Um, defenses were really tough to come by, I'd say, a few years ago when kind of like the, the age of the quarterback came up and, and yeah. a lot more offense. Yep. And now, now we're starting to see some hard-nosed defenses again. Um, including our boys, the Steelers. So, yep. so yeah, I mean, you know, if the 49ers have a, another just put down their foot defense, um, they could be in, they could be trouble again. And that's I mean, okay. that's why they're one and two, you know, barring now, injury and all that. I have two questions for you about your power rankings, okay? So first off, let me ask you this. What, what team did you pick to, let's say, be in your top ten that you think is most likely to bust? Um... Like, which one do you think is the most potential for you to be wrong on? Yeah, that's a that's a good question, looking at that. 
Because I think a lot of people kind of slept on the Packers just because they were kind of a ho-hum team, and they made it to the championship game. But they won 12 games, though. Yeah, and every, and everybody games. Remember, remember how everybody said that they were like the worst 12-win team in NFL history kind of a thing? Yeah. That was like what a lot of people were saying about them. Um, I might just have to go with because they kind of got a run at the end of the year, and uh, they kind of had a surprise in their quarterback. So I think it's it's they have the potential to not do you know not repeat what they did at the outset of last year's season, and that would be the Tennessee Titans uh, that I have at four uh, right now too, just outside of the top three. So that's saying a lot. But I feel like again because of uh, the run they kind of had at the end of the year, that might have been. I, I don't think it was a fluke, but I'm just saying out of all these other teams, um, I'm just going to go with that line of thinking for the segment here. That's not a bad one. I, I That was one I was thinking about, but you know who I'm going with in my top 10 because I think it's something that we see very frequently with them. I'm going to go with the, the Eagles. Uh, the Eagles, Because, yeah, because it's one. like, okay, Carson Wentz gets hurt, they're fucked. Like, yeah, I had them at 14 on my list, so that yeah, shows you how I feel about them. Well, I think their defense is really good, but there's a lot of question marks on their offense like every exactly. year. Um, yep. So we'll have to see there. But now, and I'm going to ask you the other question is, so from 10 on, What's the one team you'd pick as like a dark horse? Like one team that like might really surprise people this year. I'm going to go with this. Hey, Ed, and a lot of people, maybe because I want to kind of go against the green grain, because a lot of people I've been hearing, um, I just refer to them as talking heads here on the pod, but I'll, I'll catch a bunch of different stuff. As you know, I lot throw on the TV in the back of my office a lot when I'm in here, just typing away and, I'm unfortunately in here for a lot of hours, so I hear <laughs> I hear a lot of shit. And um, a lot of people don't think the Buccaneers are going to be that good. But and I'm not the biggest Tom Brady guy. Just as I fully admit, I'm very biased towards they that. They made my top ten, so but, I think yeah, they're going to be so pretty good. The, I had them at fifteen, so there you go. That's that's my call. Yeah, there's two that I'm struggling with that I keep going back to out of all these teams. Like, I don't want to say New England, because if New England ended up being good, I don't really think it would surprise anybody. And I had them at 15. But the two teams for me uh, is Denver is one, because I think that, like, Drew Locke's their quarterback. They're go- they got Melvin Gordon. Like, they they have Jerry Judy's getting another season there as a receiver. So I think there's a lot of stuff that's going to be better with them. And, but the the main one that I would pick here is probably the Colts, um, because if Philip Philip Rivers goes in there and has a really good season, they were already decent last year, so they're going to be a lot better. So I I think that that's a team that might really surprise a lot of people, especially if Rivers ends up being a factor. Look out! Yeah, that's a good call. So, yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much our NFL coverage here, guys. We hope you enjoyed it. Uh, we're going to be talking a lot about the NFL, obviously, coming up here in, uh, in the weeks to come uh, with the season getting started. Hopefully they can make it through an entire season. Um, but, you know, that's pretty much it for us here on our NFL coverage this week, man. I, I feel pretty good about that. How about you? I'm so pumped for the season. Hey, you know, you know how it is. Even in the pandemic, we, we mentioned earlier being Pittsburgh sports fans, we haven't had much so far <laughs> with the return of sports. So we're kind of frothing at the mouth here, I feel. And I, I love my NFL. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, absolutely, man. I feel the same way. But uh, we're going to take a quick commercial break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about something else that we love, professional wrestling, with a full-out review of the AEW's pay-per-view from last weekend, All Out 2020. So stay tuned, guys. We'll be back right after this on the What's Real podcast. 
Hey everyone, it's the Jay from the What's Real podcast, here today to talk about ChurchillPictures.com. Churchill Pictures was founded by two childhood friends that grew up in Churchill Borough, just outside of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Jared Bajoris and Damian Fusca began collaborating on their first feature film in 2007, Deference, winner of the Silver Ace Award at the Las Vegas Film Festival in 2012. Go to churchillpictures.com to check out our original trailers, documentaries, comedy sketches, the entire history of the infamous Backyard Wrestling League, UCW, exclusive independent wrestling content, and exclusive videos showcasing our next huge film project entitled The Marks. This includes an appearance from our character, the feature presentation, Johnny Starr, on the streaming talk show, Alone Together Pittsburgh. We are Churchill Pictures. Established from the bond of two childhood friends, we envision creating visual content that is completely original, thought-provoking, and most importantly, entertaining. Churchill Pictures. Picture the possibilities. Go to churchillpictures.com today. And we're back here on the show, and as I mentioned before the break, it's time to get in the latest AEW pay-per-view. This is All Out 2020. Uh, They had a pre-show that started at 5.30 in the afternoon, uh, and there was a couple of matches. We saw Joey Janela beat Serpentico at seven and a half minutes. Not a bad little match. I don't know if you watched any of the pre-show or not, the Jay. I have a DBR, and I haven't watched this yet, to be honest. And the other match was Private Party over Dark Order, uh, meaning uh, Reynolds and Silver at 10 minutes and 25 seconds. Not another one, just a, a decent little TV match, nothing too crazy. Um, the pay-per-view started off with a match that was originally supposed to be on the pre-show, but it was Swole uh, over Britt Baker in a tooth-and-nail match, uh, which was their attempt at a cinematic match. And this one was kind of a disaster, I gotta admit. Um, I was a little disappointed because I was looking forward to these two going into this. They've been feuding for a while, and Britt's been out injured. And this was just kind of a stupid way of doing it. I would have rather just seen a regular match. Really bad decision for them this, to open this. You know, I, I think it's probably in my own head, which I'll admit. It, I kind of just compare AEW to being the modern WCW. And I like how they had kind of uh, a take on really good openers for a lot of their shows. Yeah, so definitely yeah. their pay-per-views. Yep. And this just um, left a bad taste in my mouth. Uh, really cheesy and corny because I like both girls. I mean, I, Same. it's one of those things in a regular match, they'd have probably done fine. So whatever, you know, it's this whole cinematic match fad, even though, as we've already discussed, it looks like the WWE dropped doing that, that at least uh, once at, at their pay-per-views. So. Uh, whether that's good or bad, I'd probably say good. But uh, but yeah, what was not into this? I thought it was it was pretty cheesy, and they would have done way better in the ring. But I guess the other side of that, hey Ed, as much as I wanted to see a hot opener, at least this was out of the way. That's true. Yeah, it uh, it was kind of a waste of time overall. I would have rather seen a regular match, as you said, and uh, it was just. And then I'm glad you said it too. That's a great point. Uh, it's a really poor way of starting the pay per view. I thought. 
Um, but whatever, it's over with. So on to the next match. This one was actually pretty good. Uh, 14 minutes and 50 seconds, we saw the Young Bucks go over the Jurassic Express. Uh, it's the kind of fun match I would have expected out of both of these teams. Obviously, the Bucks are tremendous, and I like the Jurassic Express a lot. I think that they're uh, one of the younger teams that are definitely on the rise in the company, and uh, I really enjoy them. I- I'm a big fan of Luchasaurus, and I think Jungle Boy's really good too. Um, it's no surprise that the Bucks win this one, and uh, you know this essentially is what I would have wanted out of the opener. So uh, maybe they should have kept Big Swole and Britt on the uh, pre-show and started out with this one, and it would have been a much better way to start out the pay-per-view. On the What's Roll podcast, we'll just consider this the opener. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it definitely should have been. But yeah, it was it was a great match. You know, huge on on all four of these guys. Um, I even Marco stunts grown on me just as like the the part of their act that he is. Yeah. You know. Yep. Um, I I don't know if you noticed this, but you know, because I, I know how you feel about current day Jim Ross and how a lot of other people feel. Oh, and I boy. think I still give them the benefit of the doubt because I'm I'm kind of biased towards, uh, you know, all my attitude era stuff. However, he has been killing me more recently. I don't know if I've been noticing been, it more he, or what. He's been terrible. But in this match, he kind of got into it. And like at one point, he's like, I'm, I'm actually really enjoying that. Because uh, I, I I just honestly think like he he is at the point of his career where he is just phoning it in. Yeah, he's, he's an, not an even into the modern. Lot. Yeah, he's not into the modern product. You know, he thinks certain stuff's good. I'm sure, but the, the majority of it's just you know he's he's past it. But all that considered, yeah, I just noticed that he did seem kind of more into this one than even later on in the show, which we might get into or not. But uh, I noticed that in this one. But yeah, it was a really good match, and I consider that the opener. Next up was the 21-man Battle Royal, uh, in which the winner was going to receive a future shot at the AEW Heavyweight Championship. Uh, This one was about 22 minutes and 15 seconds. We saw Lance Archer go on to win uh, in what was not much of a surprise. Um, Now, the thing is, I don't... Now, I'm pretty sure that he was designed to win this, but I'll tell you something that may have changed. Uh, there was a mystery guy in the match that ended up being former WWE superstar Matt Sedal, uh, who is quite a prolific high flyer, and boy did he have a shockmaster moment uh, of his own as he ran into the ring and went to do a shooting star press and slipped. And somebody, I, I saw so much funny shit on social media about this. I saw a meme where somebody had the video and essentially was like, "What happens when God decides to choke slam your ass?" And when you watch yeah, it, he it like look, he twisted himself just to fall straight on his back like that. That's hilarious. And it's dude, there's there's so much. Ba- it looked so bad. It was a bad omen to start this match off. And honestly, this started off a bad period of the pay per view. Um, now, I didn't really care for this too much. It was pretty much a very bland battle royal overall. Um, and I don't, I'm not a fan of Archer. I don't think he's that great. I think that he's they make him way too much of a, a machine that just runs through people, and I don't think he's really at that level. Um, so we'll have to see how they do it. But, you know, this was also something that I thought was a mistake too because, okay, so here we are in the third match of the show, right? Say you're watching the show live, the J. Lance Archer wins this, meaning he gets an AEW title shot in the future. So just thinking about the AEW title at this point, who's the champion? Moxley. And who's he wrestling tonight? MJF. And is that match for the belt? Yes. 
Okay, so you know that the winner of that match is most likely going to face Lance Archer. Who the fuck do you think is going to win that match and face Lance Archer? MJF or Moxley? Which already happened as well. But it's like, that's the point. Is like, you know, do you think it's really going to be MJF? Yeah, that kind of screws everything. So it's a, it's a s- stupid mistake, but let's see what happens in the main event later. Okay, yeah, maybe, anything maybe, can happen. Maybe I'm wrong. Real. Okay. Next up is a goddamn nine-minute train wreck of Matt Hardy beating Sammy Guevara after Matt Hardy essentially dives off a platform with Sammy uh, onto two tables, which they miss by a good three feet, and Matt lands headfirst on the concrete, and it looked as if uh, Ref Aubrey was going to stop it, and the doctor got involved and said that the match could continue. It was very awkward. It wasn't very good at all. This match, to me, was a rather embarrassment over AEW. They shouldn't have Matt Hardy doing this kind of stuff, especially at this stage of his career, and especially because he doesn't have to. Uh, Matt has a lot of stuff that he could do that isn't like the Daredevil stuff. Now, I feel like Jeff Hardy kind of still needs to do that stuff. Matt doesn't. And it's ridiculous that AEW has him in a position to do this stuff. It doesn't help him. It doesn't help Sammy. And for Christ's sake, this feud has just been like a disaster. It, it all started <laughs> with, with Sammy throwing a chair at Matt Hardy, busting him hard way, violent as fuck on TV. So it's like this feud is just culminated in botches and fuck-ups. It's a stupid thing. That's what I was going to say. Like, Matt, get away from Sammy. You guys do not have the chemistry. No. And third time's a charm. You're going to get killed. Yeah, and I'm not saying that either one of them is bad either. No, no, it's just what's been happening. I mean, you just ran it down. Hey, Ed, like they had the botch and Matt Hardy busted his face open. They have this where like, dude, when I first saw it, I, you know, I watched it, uh, the replay. So I already like, I I tried not to spoil myself. So I didn't know details, but I knew enough that I knew, like, I, I saw enough that I knew he was like, quote unquote okay i mean who who the fuck knows at this point but i guess he's even um doing an interview on dynamite tomorrow as we record on tuesday so we'll we'll see what the deal is but dude when when that first happened even knowing that he came out of it i was like holy shit you I could mean, tell it, it's he was like shot. fucked oh up. you could tell dude he was just it was brutal and for the doctor to continue that that was the biggest mistake that was a horrible decision yep. uh, we were talking about it off air we both feel bad for aubrey because she did the x she did she, her job she was saying yeah she was keeping sammy away she was telling him like play it off dude this dude's hurt and then in the fucking the doctor i don't know where he got his credentials yeah i don't know how you can get, get a give a, con- a real concussion test like fucking in that situation you can't and, and pass them but he did, and I, like again, not not really knowing what was going on, but kind of seeing flashes on Twitter. I'm thinking that when they were like in the back and kind of doing goofy shit, that that wasn't it. And then the camera cuts, and they come back out, and they're in the stadium, still going, and they proceed to let Matt Hardy climb a fucking yes. scaffolding. Yep, with the concussion. That's terrible, dude. I Am felt I like so bad for Aubrey here um, first off because here, here's something else too that I and I, I would like to give her the proper credit there's a lot of referees in wrestling now that are just ho-hum and whatever and it, you know it doesn't really factor into anything yeah, she gets into it she's good she's very good like really good like they ought to be very happy to even have somebody like that working for them she's that good like top notch officiating like she's really good at her job she gives a shit She's there for the company. So let her do her job. If And I know that the match was for Matt's career. 
which was stupid to do anyway, but that's a whole nother here nor there. But like how many times in wrestling have we seen that that go back on like a company goes back on a retirement angle like there's plenty of and it's Matt so it's like they could have did a thing where he got fucked up lost a match and then he comes back next week and they're like dude you lost your career in a match and he was like well that's I'm not him what are you talking about like <laughs> they could it would have been really entertaining and they could have did something cool out of it but instead they chose like a really grotesque shitty way of going about it and I, I think I speak for a lot of fans, and this is coming from somebody that was a hardcore fan of ECW in its prime, right th- along with you, the J. Like, we don't need to see shit like this in wrestling anymore. There's just really no get, purpose for it. Yeah, you get older, and you just learn, and, and you get that sympathy, but that's the point, too, and especially with Matt Hardy considered. And and you had said it, hey, Ed, he developed the broken character to get away from stuff like this. Yep. It was a character. And then, you know, he gets kind of lost in the shuffle. He's in a new spot in AEW. That initial kind of cinematic run didn't go as planned or, you know, didn't spark anything great. So then you, you're kind of getting lost. And then the, the busted open chair happened. And then you're off to the races on doing a, a violent feud where you're trying to, to top some stunts. And then this happens. And it's, it's another one where they have these two tables together, because if you hit it right in the middle, it definitely breaks your, your fall from a a decent height. And it's a, it's a fine bump, you know, and you, you get that, that vision of him getting speared off that. But just like Nick Jackson, we were talking about last week when he was getting thrown over the top and his leg caught the the top and he went through one table. And I don't know if you remember that bump years ago with Shawn Michaels, he had Uh that weird bump through four tables and went in all, all weird. It's like, if you're off, just like this then this kind of stuff's going to happen so like the first table that was there in front to possibly break matt's fall he didn't even touch Mm -hmm. and you know they barely broke the other one it was mostly sammy and matt just hit concrete from from 15 feet above and his his wife was texting i mean you know i i don't blame her for being completely pissed off and worried and i'm sure she had a talk with them and i think she was even on twitter saying she's mad at the company and still mad at matt personally because i mean he has three young kids i mean this this is no joke man this is this kind of stuff. I mean, if you if you haven't seen this, I mean, the man bashes his head off concrete from 15 feet. It was it was not a good sight. And somebody that's been following Matt Hardy's career from the outset, it, it was not fun to watch. It just wasn't. And then for them to keep going, like I honestly could not believe, man. I reemphasize them climbing the scaffolding after this. I'm like, dude, this should have ended in the back. He should yep. be on his way to the hospital. What haven't you people learned? CTE yeah. is like this known thing now with everything. And you just, and I mean, I'm not trying to be overreactive here either, but it's like you don't want to see someone die on a pay-per-view. Like, you got to easily could have, man. Yep. There's dudes that get knocked out in street fights that aren't falling off scaffolding that hit their head off the fucking street and die. That happened to a a bouncer my dad knew and went to jail because he punched some dude and the dude's died from hitting the fucking concrete. Yeah. And this dude, this dude got speared off a goddamn 15 foot scaffold. Yeah. It's just ridiculous. You hate to see shit like this in wrestling. And it's and, and frankly, this is just me too. Like I just expect better from wrestling companies. So hopefully, this isn't something that we. Yeah, sometimes see. you got to protect the wrestlers from themselves. And even absolutely, especially somebody like Matt Hardy. Come on, like you know, Matt's he doesn't give a shit. He's just gonna do what he got to do. Um, but it's it's ridiculous. It's stupid. It didn't add anything to the pay per view. If anything, it left another black mark on the show. Because like after the botch too that Sadal had, it's like what the fuck is going on in the show? Like everybody yeah. needs to calm the fuck down. Something really bad's gonna happen unless people get a grip here. And thankfully, in the next match, that's exactly what we got. 
Uh, next up, we saw a really, really good 17-minute match between Sheeta and Thunder Rosa. This was one of my favorite matches on the whole fucking show. Thunder Rosa, I already knew she was really good, but she's even better than I thought. She's one of the most fundamentally sound female wrestlers in the world. Uh, they were lucky to have her on the show. Um, and she worked circles around Sheeta, in my opinion, in this one, because towards the end of the match, man, Sheeta's gassed the fuck out, and Thunder Rosa's still coming at her, like, hard. Yeah, it was like, uh, yeah, art imitating life, because I think the booking behind this was that Rosa did her homework, because she knew yep. she was accepting the challenge from the cross-promotion, and so she was countering everything and had, had answers for all Sheeta's signature shit. Um, so that, that was really good storytelling. And yeah, like you said, I mean, I think even for real, Sheeta was, was pretty blown up and, um, Rosa was fine. So yeah, really good match, man. Like perfect time. I think it was right around 17 minutes or or something like that. Yep. 17 on the dot. Um, this really, you know, this, this needed to, this was good that they placed this there. Um, whether it was a happy accident or whatever, following the train wreck that, that we just broke down because this put the show back on the tracks. Yeah, this this match was great. I can't, like, I can really sit here and pontificate about how much I like this match because this is this is pure wrestling stuff. They weren't, like, yeah. doing crazy spots. They, they just worked Telling very well. Telling a great story. Well. Yep, they worked together, together very well. The chemistry was there. I'd be totally fine with seeing these two go again. Um, I would not complain about that whatsoever. Um, I'm curious, though, where this kind of leaves Thunder Rosa. Because she's still the NWA Women's Champion, but the problem is is the NWA isn't really functioning. So, like, are they going to let her to continue for the time being in AEW, or are they going to start to relaunch their, their product again? Yeah, which is kind of weird, because it seems like, doesn't Corgan just rent out that, bill? he has, like, his own facility, yeah, but I guess they I can't thought. have fans, and that's a problem. Cause, oh, because you know what? I think I think it's in L.A. and um, L.A. Well, no, that's Atlanta because right the population. It's oh, Atlanta. Okay. Yeah, that's shows that's, you what the J knows. But. Yep, that's right where they used to do WCW. Gotcha. So yeah, we'll, we'll see. But may, maybe Corgan will will hook her up or something like that, and let her. You know, if he can't run shows anytime soon, he'll let her have a little run there, work something out if possible. So, I mean, I think it's it'll a, be interesting to see. But she's really good. It's a really good way to keep your talent. Uh, you know, well, actually get more exposure for, for, for your talent than, than they get on your shows. So, you know, that that's a smart business move for him right now, especially if they can't run. Right now. And it might yep. it might even behoove them if, I don't know if AEW is interested or not, but say, hey, see if they're interested in working with Aldis too. Bring him in. Why not? Get him on. He's the NWA champion. Put him on the show. Yeah, there's a lot of talented people out there not being able to work right now. So Yeah, why not? Uh, next up, though, was an eight-man tag. We saw Matt Cardona, formerly Zack Ryder, Dustin Rhodes, uh, QT Marshall, and Scorpio Sky went over the Dark Order team of Brody Lee, Colt Cabana, Evil Uno, and Stu Grayson. Again, a little over 15 minutes. Um, nothing great. Decent match. Uh, it got sloppy at points here. Um, you know, they're, they're clearly starting to work that storyline with Brody Lee and Colt. Where, uh, because up to this point, Colt 
hasn't really wanted to join the Dark Order. He's just like a friendly, fun-loving guy, and he enjoys being around them, so he wrestles with them. And he got a loss this time because he went for a moonsault instead of getting the cover. Uh, and Brody Lee was effectively pissed, and it was the first time we've seen him act that way towards Cold Cabana and storyline. So they're they're clearly moving somewhere along with that storyline. Uh, and Brody Lee's obviously still the TNT champion, and he's he's going to be facing off. Uh, with Dustin Rhodes this week on Dynamite for the belt, which they kind of brought up again. And uh, I also heard word, too, that it looks like Cody's going to be back a little bit sooner than than expected. So uh, I'm sure that's going to work into the storyline, most likely on Dynamite, too. Yeah, this was a fun match. Um, again, this is where kind of the, the show gets back on, on foot and, and pacing well again and getting uh, entertaining to me again. And um, I think it was in the right spot to go between the fantastic women's match and, and the next match with the tag team championship. So yeah, it was in the right spot. They, they did what they needed to do. Um, I don't know if you heard, I'm sure you did. Um, Jim Ross did get some heat for making a comment oh, yeah. uh, regarding Anna J where he mentioned, um, Oh, she might've had a wardrobe malfunction. I'd be so lucky. Something yep. along those lines, definitely paraphrasing. He's kind my of take, hey, Ed, weirdo. <laughs> he, yeah, I have him on Twitter. He is, but my take is that was not bad. No, it wasn't um, that bad. I didn't co- think like, so. come on. Yeah, hey, he's going to get, but he's, he's said some shit in the past, so he's going to get hammered for that stuff, no matter how bad it is. Um, but you know, hey, the dude lost his wife. He's horny. What do you I, want? Hey, I, I understand that too. I was just getting ready to say, you know, fucking, I'm also, <laughs> you're also talking to a dude that right now, like I'm, but like Anna J is fucking tremendous. She is ridiculous. Jesus, like follow her on Instagram, hey, dude. Seuss. Holy Christ, yes, I do. Yeah, same. So, you know, can can't take the guy out of the pervert. You know what I'm saying? It's just one of those things. But you know, she's I my get wife. It. Hey Ed, I just realized that. Yeah. So Anna there you J. go. One, yeah, <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> I wish. Uh, next up, we have what I thought was the best match of the entire night, which was FTR winning the tag team titles away from Kenny Omega and Hangman Page. This match was just a few ticks under uh, 30 minutes, and uh, this was a hell of a match, man. These two matched up about as well as we thought. Uh, you know, we talked about it a little bit last week on the show that we thought that this was probably going to be the best match of the night, and yeah, that's pretty much what it was. More good storytelling. Great these, storytelling. These, these, yeah, these title matches. Uh, the women's in this one that that's such a big thing. That's what the WWE lost, you know, in a lot I mean, to a large degree. I agree with you there. Yeah, they could hit it here and there. I don't want to just generalize over there because yeah, like I'm mania, they the seem WWE, to but. do stuff like that. But like through the rest of the year, it's just a lot of nonsense. Yeah. And I like the, the Mysterio stuff. Agreed. You know? So yep. give them give them credit while we bring it up. But yeah, this great storytelling, really good match. Uh, everything going on that's been building up with the elite, um, which, you know, that they prolong that after the the match where Kenny went off with the young bucks and kind of gave them an ultimatum. So that storyline's continuing and going on. But, uh, but yeah, man, right, right shy of 30 minutes, uh, just a great tag match, good ending. Uh, like FTW obviously is the, or I'm sorry, FTR as the tag champs. Um, uh, Hangman and Kenny had their run. I think they said uh, seven what months. Was the days. Yeah. Seven months. I mean, you know, and, and now they're moving on with their story. So, yeah, and it's, it's good, great. and I think it's good too because Kenny Omega needs to get back to being a singles wrestler, and and obviously I think Paige is great. So like, if he went back to singles too, I'm good with that as well. So. Like we like we've been talking about, they got to slowly each week with Dynamite start building up uh, 
Omegas going back to the cleaner with those yep. kind of vignettes they were starting on being and, the elite. You know, and they are. The creepy shit. Like, they definitely yeah, are, too. Yeah, that's, they're going that route. They yeah, had, that's uh, going to be the feud. Did you see Being the Elite this week by chance? I didn't see the newest one. I watched the one last week that you told me about. Yeah, because they, they talk about it a little bit. You start to get a little bit more of the perspective why, like, Adam Page interfered in their tag match and cost them to lose and... Like that's they're starting to get into that that stuff a little bit more. So like the and and the big thing is like nobody's seen Kenny. So like you know it's coming. Like that's the whole point is like nobody's seen Kenny. And like it wouldn't surprise me at all if he just disappears for like a month and then like, you know, next time where it's a, a poignant time period for him to do so, he's gonna make an appearance and cause some chaos. You know what I mean? So it's bound to happen. Yeah. Next yeah, up, we'll see. Next up on the show, we saw the Mimosa Mayhem matchup, which was a really good 15-minute and 15-second matchup in which Orange Cassidy would go on to defeat Chris Jericho by throwing him into the vat of Mimosa. This match was a lot of fun, really entertaining. Uh, we've said about it here on the show before. I think Jericho and Cassidy have great chemistry and uh you know considering cassidy beat him again and it wasn't by pinfall i still think there's more uh that needs to be done with these two so it wouldn't surprise me at all if we see uh cassidy and and jericho uh, lock up again maybe who knows maybe like a steel cage match like i imagine they're gonna go somewhere where they haven't gone before at this point so that's there's not many you know too many other places to go at this point for them to than a fucking cage match yeah they'll build it up like Jericho's pissed, obviously, about getting thrown into the mimosa. Yep. And he's like, I'm done with the cutesy kind of yep. goofy match. Like, you know, now we're now we're getting serious and we're going to end this. Yep. Um, but, yeah, like you said, you used my word of description for this. Hey, you know, fun. Definitely a fun match. Um, you know, not much to say. Jericho did his things and Cassidy rallied. <laughs> he's and, great, um, man. You know, they I love that, up. dude. Yeah. And they, they caught it to, to where um, – Jericho got caught off the top and fell in there. Dude, so, did you yeah, see match. the one part in the match? It was really cool. Where like, uh, so they're out on the platform with the mimosa and they're like fighting. And, sh- and first off, Jericho's beating his ass. He like power bombed him through the table yeah. and shit. Yeah, like, he was laying it in. But there was a part where like Jericho was on the other side of the vat and he like ran across the one side without trying to fall in and he did it all goofy. It was just a really funny part in the match. And they were like, oh, Jericho there tiptoes his way past the vat of mimosa. Like, I'm just like, dude, (laughs) I love Jericho's little stupid details. Like he knows when to look like a bitch. Or when to act yeah. like a coward or show his ass or look like an idiot. Like, he's really good at that kind of stuff. And, I mean, there's no, he said it as a heel in his promo, but, like, he's absolutely right. He's managed to make Orange Cassidy a major player in AEW in literally, like, a month. Yeah, and he said about his longevity and adaptation, which is Jericho in a nutshell, man. Dude's been around. We talked about it. We, we first were watching him when we were, what, 15 or something yeah high school i mean it was probably as high school started we first started seeing jericho for the first time that is a rarity yeah you know always props to jericho but that's why you know because he's that good you know like like you said he has the timing he has the character he knows when to do shit so um yeah love this match i would like to see the feud go just to one more one more stage and end it 
Yeah, totally agree. And it, I wouldn't care even if they uh, pushed it off to the November pay-per-view, uh, which they announced during this. Uh, November 7th is AEW's next pay-per-view called Full Gear. Um, there's been no matches announced at this point, but obviously I'm sure we'll be covering that on a future episode of the pod. So stay tuned for that in the near future. But the main event was for the AEW Championship title, and it was champion John Moxley going over MJF in 23 minutes and 40 seconds in a match that felt like a fucking eternity. Um, both guys bled. It was a nice brawl. Like, it was a pretty good match. Like, I'm not shitting on the match. I just felt it was, like, way too long. Um, there was just, you know, there was some gruesome shit in the match, too, with Moxley, like, you know, biting MJF's head when he's bleeding like a motherfucker. Like, some of that stuff now in wrestling is just super cringy when it used to be commonplace in wrestling. Um, not sure that's a good thing with hepatitis being such an issue in the world of professional wrestling. <laughs> uh, don't give a shit. But, like, there's a lot of stuff in AEW that they do that I'm just like, ah, it's probably a bad idea. But, you know, it is what it is. Uh, the match was okay. It wasn't my favorite. It was way too long, like I said. Um, and earlier it was just kind of ruined to me a little bit because I, I was pretty sure at this point that Moxley was going to retain, and that's exactly what he did. And they did it with the storyline essentially where Wardlow fucked up by throwing the ring to MJF at the wrong time, which caused the ref to get caught up with Wardlow, which meant... Uh, you know, Moxley could hit his finisher, which was supposed to be barred. Uh, yeah. So he hit the illegal move and won the match. So it's pretty clear that I think MJF's going to branch off for a little bit and do something else. But him and Moxley most likely aren't done. And, you know, I said this before. I'm not the biggest fan of Moxley. It's not like I dislike him, but he's just not super entertaining to me. And him being the champion means he's a focal point, And it probably means he's going to be champion for a while to come. Um, and that's just not something I'm really looking forward to, but it is what it is at this point with them. Yeah. Again, I, I like the story telling aspects of this. Um, it wasn't the, as we put it, barn burning kind of storyline or anything, and but, M- but I like MJF it. is great story. too. I got to throw yeah. He's really fucking good. Exactly. And, and like AEW does the kind of more realistic, like almost UFC esque kind of buildups to, to their big matches, yeah, like yeah. interviewing JR in realistic ways. Those are good, to WWE's. too. I really like oh, they're those. they're great. Yeah. And that's what kind of told the story going in. And, um, you know, not to – because that's one of the WWE highlights still is their their build-up videos are always still great. Yep. Um, but, you know, they had the the fact that we couldn't – he couldn't use the, parad- the, yeah, geez, the I can't paradigm even shift. Paradigm shift where he would lose the title. Then the other aspect was that neither man had lost a singles match in AEW mm-hmm. going into it. They, they had been building that up. And then MJF had a plan. He started working on the arm and they had the stuff with Wardlow. And then as always, blood always adds to a match, a match. Like you said, Hey, Ed, sometimes like when the dude's biting his face, like I'm sure Renee Young's at home, like, ew, and started tweeting. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? Dude, I COVID and this dude's sucking on blood. I really liked how they had MJF get color because it was the kind of thing where he got slingshotted into the, the post and after yeah. they did it, I was like, well, I hope MJF blades here because, like, that's the perfect way to do it. And then they show him and he's and he bleeding. Did. And I'm like, that's ex- – yep. that's. I just want it to make sense. You know what I mean? You don't have to do blood, but if you're going to do it, do it the right way and don't do it all the fucking time. That's the key. Yeah, they're in the, the old school psychology, and, and that's what they did. And, and, you know, that goes – I mean, speaking of Moxley, he had that one match uh, where he was, like, trying to bleed – 
15 different times during the match and couldn't really get a good flow going. Yep. So MJF bled pretty good here. It's always that good visual. And uh, like you mentioned, hey, Ed, I like the finish a lot. It was a cool finish. Um, this might lead to MJF, like you mentioned, kind of going off with Wardlow for a little bit and finally doing that. Uh, while he's out of the title picture for a little bit, seeing where uh, Moxley goes, like we mentioned, it looks like he might be going against Lance Archer, which already occurred. So, and I don't, you know, really want to sure see that, that at all. Like, no, it's that's what I'm saying, man. I really think that it's it's time that they get, you know, and and I think that's what they're setting it up for because if you think about it, like Moxley is the baby face; he's the baby face champion, and who's the guy that we're waiting on the prolonged heel turn from? And it's Omega. And Omega's gonna be the guy that takes the belt from Moxley. It's just a yeah, matter I guess they're of holding off. And on that, that might not that might not be till next year because they might really yeah. want to hold out for a crowd to be able to do that, which I understand, but then see that gives you that weird place of being in the pattern hold. You know, like that's that's why they're gonna have to be very yeah, creative. Sometimes I don't care what the reason is, you gotta pull the trigger when it's there. I, that's that's yes. where some things in wrestling get uh, fucked up. See, know? and but I think what they're trying to do is they're trying to just prolong the build up of it so it doesn't feel like they're in the holding pattern, which I understand. I think that's probably the best way to go about it. But then you're struck with the problem of having to come up with consistently interesting stuff for Moxley to do. Which doesn't, you know, like, he just had this blood feud kind of thing with MJF, and he's going to move on, and okay, he's going to face Archer, and then, like, who's going to be the guy after Archer? Because clearly, if you're not doing it till next year, you're probably talking, okay, so you got Archer, and then you probably need, like, two to three other guys, and I'll be generous and say, okay, throw MJF back in there to get his rematch, but, like, who are the other two guys there then? That you could do. You can't do Brian Cage because he already lost. Um, you know, you. I guess you could always do Cody, but, like, we don't know where Cody even stands right now with all the stuff going on with the Bucks and Omega. So there's a lot of shit that needs to play out to be able to get people in position to even challenge him and lose. You know what I'm saying? It, just judging from the way they build up their main events, it got to be done the right way. They don't hot shot guys like WWE. Like, there's not going to be a pay per view next month, and they're like, just have fucking Kane fight Moxley. Like, that's not how they do things. So they're gonna. It's it's gonna take a lot of effort on their part to get this right. Yeah, I agree. And um, wrapping it up, hey Eel, with the What's Real podcast wrestling show scale, I'm gonna go on and give All Out 2020 from AEW a solid B. Okay, so you liked it a little bit more than me. Um, I didn't dislike the pay-per-view, but I I do think this is probably the worst effort so far on pay-per-view from AEW. So I'm going to give this one a C+. So that's what we're looking at there. So I hope you guys enjoyed our breakdown of All Out 2020 from AEW. I'm sure we'll be uh, covering full gear in November and and beyond. Uh, We seem to really enjoy AEW. And it's it's really one of the few ways that me and the Jay get our wrestling fix these days because WWE is really intolerable most of the time. So, uh, you know. Look forward to that future coverage on upcoming shows. So we're going to take a quick commercial break, and when we come back, guys, it's time for the most action-packed segment in weekly podcasting, none other than Thursday Night Prime, this week with Marshall Outlaw from 1993. So we'll be back right after this on the What's Real Podcast. This is Ed from the What's Real Podcast for IWC Wrestling. 
IWC's event feature presentation has been rescheduled for Saturday, September 19th, 2020 at 1 p.m. at the Brownsville Drive-In in Grindstone, Pennsylvania. All seats general admission $25, currently $250 for sale. Drive-in style seating, sit near your car or stay in the car. All tickets purchased for previous August 29th date will be honored. For all this information and more, check out iwcwrestling.com and join us Saturday, September 19th for the feature presentation. IWC Wrestling, for the best in Pittsburgh professional wrestling. It's time for Thursday Night Pride. And it is time, once again, for the most action-packed segment in weekly podcasting. None other than Thursday Night Prime. This week with Marshall Outlaw from 1993. This one's directed by Kurt Anderson, who also made Marshall Outlaw 2. He made Bounty Tracker with Lorenzo Lamas, Open Fire, another Gen- Jeff Wincott classic. And oddly enough, he also made the Disney Quack Pack Volume 1 a uh, cartoon about Donald Duck for Disney. So that's pretty strange. It's a hell of a filmography. Yeah, it's it's a weird one nonetheless. It's just work with Jeff <laughs> Wincott and Disney. I don't know if there's anybody else that could say that uh, but him. Uh, this one has a very thin plot. It's essentially a DEA agent and his brother, who's a Los Angeles cop, battle the Russian mafia. And, uh, you know, that might sound like a thin plot, but that's because it is very thin. <laughs> There's really no reason why any of this stuff's happening. But what you get, though, uh, the way they make it interesting is Jeff Wincott's character, uh, his brother's played by Gary Hughes, Gary Hudson in the movie, and they're kind of like rivals. Uh, but then you quickly learn that Gary Hudson's just a dirty cop that's essentially fucking over his brother's work. Um, now, Jeff Wincott is in a bunch of other action movies, of course. He's in Martial Law 2, Open Fire, and he's also in Prom Night 2, the original 1980 horror movie. Uh, and, you know, Gary Hudson plays his captain brother. We also have uh, another really weird one, but Krista Erickson in this movie, which is Gary Hudson's wife, is known from her role as the bitch in, uh, <laughs> in Little Darlings, the movie with Tatum O'Neill. And Christy Swanson. Oh, wow. Because um, yeah. I, I saw her, and I'm like, I have no idea what I recognize her from, but I know I know her from something. Yeah, she was in some shit. That's hilarious. But that's why I looked it up, and I'm like, oh, it's definitely from Little Darlings. Uh, the movie begins with in a pretty funny scenario. You, you see Al Leong show up very early. Now, that name might not mean a lot to people, but if you've ever seen movies like Last Action Hero, Big Trouble in Little China, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, They Live or Die Hard. That classic Asian villain. (laughs) You know, and the funny thing is when you look him up in the credits, he's Asian villain. Not kidding. That's his name. Early, early in his career. Uh, but yeah, he, he makes, you know, an appearance in this one. He, he tends to make an appearance in pretty good action flicks, so that's not a bad one. Uh, the character of Mr. White in this movie is played by uh, legendary cult actor Richard Jekyll uh, from Starman. He's in Dirty Dozen. He's in the original 310 to Yuma. Movies like The Drowning Pool, Mako, Jaws of Death, Grizzly, Day of Animals, and a movie that's amazing, by the way, that I don't know how many people's ever seen. It's called Mr. No Legs, about a James Bond-type character that doesn't have any legs, uh, seen to be believed. 
Um, but yeah, you get a brother sparring session early in the movie that's pretty hilarious. Uh, I, I read this, but apparently Jeff Wincott got super jacked for this movie. So they let him rewrite a bunch of scenes so he could be in it without a shirt on. <laughs> And it that seemed like it. and that was one of them. Yeah, oh yeah, like yeah. he'd go from a shirt getting ripped off to all of a sudden he's like sweating with Vaseline it, all over him. In the yeah, in the brother fight, he's like, you know, do you want to spar? And Wincott, he's like, uh, I'm tired. Why don't we do it tomorrow? And he forces him into. He takes his shirt off. He's sweating. Yeah, like, dude, if you're tired, you're all, you know, it's like you're not, you're not gonna be glistening like you're on WrestleMania five in the sun in the moonlight and shit. Yeah, and then um, at the way beginning. You knew it was great with the uh, the traditional IC here on Thursday Night Prime, the uh, or UIC, the unintentional comedy. Mm-hmm. He's like the one dude. It's when, of course, Wincott's character gets introduced, DEA agent Kevin White, and uh, the dude's like, "Who the fuck are you, Trent Citizen? You better be concerned because I'm gonna friggin' kill you." <laughs> like, dude, somebody thought once again that that's like the greatest line. There's another hilarious one in here too that, that <laughs> I watched it like I rewound it a couple times. But there, so their last names are White, okay, both the brothers, and they're both working on a case together. So like their captain, it, it'd be like, hey, where's what's what's you know Sergeant White doing? And then somebody's like, he's doing this. Like, okay, whatever. But, like, there's a part in the movie where, like, they're both, like, missing in action. And he walks through the room. He's like, hey, where's White at? I mean, where's the other White at? Where are the Whites at? <laughs> yeah. Where are, <laughs> where are the Whites at? Like, <laughs> and other guys are just like, ooh. <laughs> like, that, that'd be considered racist in 2020. Most would be blown up on Twitter if this movie just came out this year. Yeah, I'm sure it would piss somebody off these days, but then again, that's not what these movies in particular were made for. I don't know why they were made for a lot of them. So, uh, but yet the one, see, now this is weird because last week it was, I felt like we watched the total opposite movie, which was fucking crazy. And by that, I mean, last week, one of the complaints that we had about it was that it's like the movie was cool, but then they get to the fighting and it's all shit. And it's like, this is stupid, you know. This movie was the total yeah, exactly. opposite. I thought that, that one was, was like, all the, all, all the buildup was pointless, stupid shit that didn't really matter at all other than the dirty brother cop. But the fight scenes in this were tremendous. They went balls out on this. Yeah, there was some good stuff. Did, did you notice there was a, um, basically, I, th- I think with the Russians, it was almost like, I, I, I at first thought it was, uh, Martin Cove, play, that's John Kreese. Oh, the big jacked up <laughs> yeah, dude. he's like the yeah. Russian John Kreese. It's Kreese. not, though. No, yeah. not, not at all, but it's he hilarious. looked a lot like him. And then, um, yeah, you bringing up the fight scenes, I'm sure you noticed, hey, Ed, it would go in slow motion. They would do the, I called it the quadruple combo. Both whites did it at one point where it was just a bunch of cuts of like the same punch move, but they just like used the, oh, yeah. the four cuts to emphasize. Extra emphasis. Like, yeah. Yep. And um, oh, that was great. Dude, they they must have blown the entire budget of the movie on sound effects alone yeah, like, because that shit was hilarious. Yeah, it was like nonstop. And, um, like, but dude, they, the thing is too, okay, so the fight scenes that they did, like, did you notice how many times people were doing, like, unnecessary stunts? Yeah. Like, there was a scene, like, they're they're fighting in what looks like a restaurant, and one of the dude jumps up on this railing, and uh, Hudson, the one brother, like, 
hits the dude in the knees with a baseball bat, and the guy's feet go out from under him, and he lands chest first on the railing. Oh yeah, I it's love like, it. It's like, dude, that was in. That's an insane stunt. And, that, and there's another one where uh, Wincott gets like punched or kicked, and he does the. I, I, we always called it the Fatu, like spinning clothesline sell, yeah. but he like f- does it through a table. It's like Jesus Christ, these dudes are going. And there was shit. another one of those with the um, the quadruple combo where it's like boom, 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 and the the Asian dude does like a. It's one of those cells where he like does three spins in the air, basically after the last yep. punch. Yes, and that yes. that was during the. So we got to bring this up because this is towards the end. So of course, um, the, the Kevin White, Jeff Wincott's character, the the brother's a corrupt cop, and, and Jeff Wincott's yep. cops the, the good agent, and um, Jeff Wincott ends up with like the the Russians towards the end. And of course, they're like in this weird ass, like call it just a super dark warehouse or something. But it's basically like this fight circle. And as yeah. always with us, with hey, Ed, I was dying because the dude had to give like this speech. And he did like one yep. of our accents. He's like, this is the Russian circle. You fight each one of my men one at a time. And if somehow you get out of that one piece, then I may let you leave. And I was just, dude, <laughs> and, I was dying. And and then the rest of the scene, so like, so it's like, he's like, you! And then like one dude rushes on yeah. Wincott fucking like, destroys no, you him. And he's like, he's like, no, 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 it's your turn! <laughs> like the whole scene, just him going like, no, no you kill him! Get him! Yeah. Like it's, and then of course, at the last second, his brother comes in and saves him. And they go, look, they, they have that scene where it shows where the dude was sitting and he's just gone. Like, ooh, he's so mysterious. Yeah. He just walked away while you idiots were fighting. And I, I don't know if you noticed it towards the end of the, that fight, you know, the whole circle fight thing. There's like the, the white dude and he has like a ball and chain weapon. And it's funny oh, too yeah, he's, he's because he's wearing like it, normal he sneakers. Just misses Wincott. He just misses him, but then, <laughs> dude, when he gets kicked, he does an HBK cell. Like when he does like the yep. flop, like backwards. I was dying yep. when he did that. I had that note. I'm like, you know, dude with ball and chain gets kicked and does an HBK cell. So that was. I weird. don't know if you noticed this in the one fight scene too, like in the bar or the restaurant, whatever the fuck you want to call it. There's a part where like Gary Hudson's character, the the cop, the dirty cop, he like throws a dude through a table, and when he does it, there's like an ashtray or something that just balls up and fucking hits him right in the face. <laughs> yeah, <it did. laughs> like you could tell shit was just like haywire. Yeah. Like they didn't really know like, what they the were doing, we but they use. were trying. Yeah, the best take is the one where the the co-star of the movie gets hit in the face with an inanimate <laughs> object in a fight scene that he probably shouldn't even have been in because his back's to the camera anyway. It could have been anyone. Yeah, and of course it all crescendos to the cheesiness of these brothers that don't get along and they're fighting, like this whole end fight scene. And then, of course, the, the lead Russian, Russian mobster goes to shoot Jeff Wincott's character and Hudson steps in front of him and get shot. I'm like, yeah. yeah, you're just fighting them for and the last 15 minutes, and then you take a bullet like, for wait, You moron. Like, he's my brother. Like, what are you I'm going to change my mind in, in a split second and take the Russian what, bullet. What, which also reminds me, too, their dad is Richard Jekyll, who is a very, very good actor, 
but you would never know it if this is the only thing you saw him. And at this point, I'm assuming he was completely pickled. (laughs) They're letting him jump Um, real shit. Because, well, I mean, dude, like, I don't even think he would, like, I seriously think they worked that angle of him being a drunk into the fucking movie. Yeah. Because it's how he was in real life. He was written in as an athlete, and then he, like, day four, they're like, yeah, we got to change him into a drunk. Yeah, it's like, fuck it, the old man's (laughs) drunk now, like... He's like, how long's he been like this? He's like, at least a year. Yeah. Like, n- none of it makes any sense. Yeah. It's just all stupid shit thrown around. Like, you don't even know. Like, the only reason they could give you the why the brother's a dirty cop is just he's a he's a greedy dick. He wants more money. Yeah, because he's like, you know, you have the perfect life, great job, dad backs you, Natalie. And she, she doesn't the, pay dude, for it's anything. It's so funny when. When Wincott and the the wife figure out that he he robbed a pawn shop, oh yeah, by by with those earrings, she's like, he gave me these, and he's like, no, he didn't. She's like, yes, he did, and he's like, these are like a year's salary because you know Wincott's such an investigative DEA agent. He's also a jeweler that yeah, knows a, the fucking exact amount of old jewelry. He's a jewelry appraiser on the side, like it's just something I it's a I'm a hobbyist. And, and their dad's a drunk moron the whole movie, but he happens to overhear them during the scene, and he happens to also bring in a newspaper that he apparently just keeps on him that details the the uh, pawn shop robbery that he knows his son committed, but he doesn't know like what he ate for breakfast or where he's at. Yeah. I mean, it's it, usual what, fare for the TNP, especially the, the ones in the worst. Tr- yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean. There's just, like, dude, the one scene where uh, Hudson fakes the stabbing, like, he brings that chick in, and he's beating her up, and he's like, what happened to you? He's like, oh, the bitch stabbed me. And then they show him in the bathroom, and he rips the thing off, and he's fine, and he's like, get the right actress and the right special effects. They believe anything. (laughs) So bad. Yeah, so bad. But, yeah, Yeah. I'll uh, wrap it up. Hey, yo, the What's Real podcast, Thursday Night Prime segment tradition. With the tagline, we had a couple weeks without them. This one does have one. Okay. And it's Thank God. brothers, cops. One enforces the law, the other breaks it. Martial outlaw. So that one's actually not terrible. At least it's about the plot. So we'll take that. Yeah, you but, know? I, but I was disappointed that it wasn't brothers, cops, brother cops. Yeah. And that's it. Like that would have I would have just put that on there anyway. Like fuck it, I'm going with the stupid one that no one <laughs> yeah. likes. But yeah, all in all, as usual, it has its uh, unintentional comedy, which the Jay lives for with these movies. Uh, some solid fighting, like we talked about. Some laugh out loud moments. Just watching it by myself here for the pod review. Uh, so I give this one on the What's Real podcast film uh, scale on reviews out of five. I'll give it two and a half. Yeah, that's uh, that's essentially the same score I had. Um, the thing is, this isn't great by any stretch of the means, but I thought it did deliver on the stuff that you actually watch these movies for, like the fight scenes, the you know the guns and the whole deal. They you know they did a pretty good job with that stuff, and they blew a whole fucking budget on special effects. So it, the least I could do on this one is go with two and a half as well. Yeah. So that's it for us this week here on Thursday Night Prime. We have an interesting one for you next week. This one uh, is right up there with. Uh, that basically, it's it's essentially the perfect fare for Thursday Night Prime. We go back in time, as we do on this fucking program, to 1995 and director Robert Lee, a movie called Virtual Assassin, a.k.a. 
Cyberjack. Uh, with Michael Dudikoff, we got Brian James in this one. Um, I'm expecting this one to be a clusterfuck, but that's okay. That's why it's fun. Uh, yes. In the near future, Nassim, terrorist leader, storms computer company headquarters. His aim is deadly computer virus that could bring him world domination. Nick, company janitor and ex-cop, will get in his way. And I don't know off the top of my head, but I'm going to say the ex-cop janitor is Michael Dudikoff. Wow. Sound, sounds like a classic, so, hey, y'all. Yeah, you know how we pick them here on the show. So, uh, But we got to pay some more bills, guys. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and when we come back, it's time for Goofs or Goofs and, of course, our weekly show wrap-up. Stay tuned, guys. We'll be back right after this on the What's Real Podcast. Bayview Entertainment, LLC, is a full-service media company committed to acquire, develop, produce, market, and distribute audiovisual content. For over 15 years, Bayview made its name by being dedicated to releasing only the best programs in each category from some of the most trusted names in the field. Bayview's disc programming can be found throughout the country at all online suppliers plus fine brick-and-mortar retailers, as well as streaming video on demand at all major digital retailers and platforms. Bayview is honored to partner with Churchill Pictures LLC for the worldwide release of The Unsung the newest feature film from Churchill Pictures. Follow details about the Unsung's upcoming release at churchillpictures.com and bayviewentertainment.com. Welcome to Goofs or Goofs. All right, the J, what do we got this week on the Goofs front? It is a jam-packed all-star week, just the way it turned out here on the Carnell Lacay episode 37 of the What's Real <laughs> podcast. But we have all kinds of goofs, and this is going to be a great goof segment. And we are starting off with a NFL star nicknamed by his initials OBJ, Odell Beckham Jr. He was trending oh on Twitter earlier, so I was like, what's this? You know, why is OBJ tw- um, trending? To find out that he plays for the Browns for a reason. A interview with a past girlfriend has unveiled that OBJ likes to be pooped on his chest. So take that for what you will. Um, there was, you know, hilarious, hilarious memes and et cetera uh, regarding the fact that he does play for the Browns to, to boot. Um, but I just I was dying because I'm just like, oh, like, you know, did he do something in sports? And then, oh, nope. uh, I mean, what can you say? To well, that? I mean, I guess it depends on what you consider sports. Yeah, there you go. Is it, <laughs> there's water sports, and I guess is it poop sports? Uh, no, it can't be poop. It has it's to be like, like the defecation nation. Mu- mud, mud sports. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the tough modern. Some, it's, it sounds like a fetish porn, somebody that made a fetish porn uh, parody of blood sport called mud sport <laughs> yeah. so uh yeah finding out some interesting fetishes from uh odell beckham jr so let's see what kind of uh year he has this year in in cleveland playing for the browns Ho- hopefully it's shitty <laughs> <laughs> but um bomb, hey, so yeah kicking off a stacked goose or goose segment Next up is a, a kind of weird one. Uh, it's nothing to laugh about, but uh, the reason's pretty pretty damn funny and face-palming. And I guess kind of happens significantly. There is currently an enraging wildfire in Northern California. 
However, the thing about it is it was reportedly started from a gender reveal party. Yeah, gotta love that. Yeah, it turns out that they were using some sort of device um, that would, you know, produce the pink or blue smoke and it like malfunctioned or sparked and it's so dry out there right now that's all it takes and now um at this point they're still fighting it it's believed that as we report only seven percent of the fire is contained and two hundred thousand acres has been burned down all because of this fad on doing something fun to find out if you're having a boy or girl so there's that hey well jesus christ well, here's here's how about this for a special bonus, okay? Now I don't bring this one up as in somebody's an actual goof. This is like goof as in this dude has balls of steel. Um, I actually just sent this over to you. I just saw this one uh, earlier today, but it's a video of surfer Sebastian Studnewell wow. surfing a 115 foot tall wave in Portugal. And it's the most insane fucking thing let I may me, have ever seen in my entire life. Let me tell you this. My big wow was not because I looked up what you sent me. It was because that's why we're like psychics towards each other on this show. That was the next goof or goof was for something cool. I did, so that's we hilarious. did not talk about it, those listening. Nope. So that's why Ed and I are always on the, the same page. And think like it's <laughs> that's hilarious. hilarious. But that was the next cool thing just to check out. And we'll have to post that. But, dude, it's just so cool to see. And on top of that, hey, Ed, because of watching uh, Bill and Ted, I was on a bit of a Keanu Reeves kick. And I had a double feature last night, starting with Point Break, followed by Speed. Uh, So how funny is that, that the big surfer pops up the next day as well? So this is really weird, but, like, as a side tangent here real quick, I've been wanting to rewatch a lot of, like, oddball 90s movies lately. And, like, the three ones that keep coming up that I'm like, oh, fuck, I'm, keep meaning to watch that. I want to watch Terminator 2 again. I want to watch Predator 2 again. And I want to watch Point Break again. Point Break holds like, up just, to high hell. It's amazing. Yeah, it's, I don't see how that one would be bad. It's just such a cool story. And it's a great And great Busey, flick, so. Busey adds to it so much. You forget about that. But he, like, carries a lot of the, the buddy cop shit, you know? Yeah, when he used to be a competent human being, yeah, you know, exactly. he actually it would be nice to see. And it's weird because he's also in fucking Predator Two. Yep, it's all coincidental. Which so. let's let's keep adding to it. I ordered Terminator Two 3D because I'm still a goof that watches oh. 3D on my VR. So full circle. There. Okay, and um, that's kind of cool though. Just to finalize that with weird facts, did you know that Gary Busey currently hosts? He's a pet judge. <laughs> He like sentences uh, pets to uh, sentences. You, you, you didn't? <laughs> yeah, seriously. I mean, hey, it's twenty twenty. I mean, what, what do you what do you think? Yeah, you don't want your dog getting. Has your dog been any in, in any legal trouble recently that we have? She's, talked she's about too her old, man. Poor thing. Can't she's see. retired. Yeah, she can. She can't hear. Uh, um, so we got three more. This is a jam packed one. Hey, Ed, we'll run through them. Jesus. They're, yeah, they're pretty good though. We have to mention them. Having okay. a hell of a week. So the first up is tennis player Novak Stochovic got uh, pissed Novon at himself. Djokovic. Yeah, and threw yeah, a was weird. <laughs> threw a tennis ball and ha- happened to hit a lineswoman in the throat. And I don't did mean he, to laugh, but the way she like reacts. Did he like, throw it though, or did he, he hit like, it? He, like I thought he hit he, it. Like, threw, he threw he threw it up and hit it real quick, like tennis players do, just not okay. thinking, kind of in the zone. That's why I don't know why he got so much shit for it. I mean, it sucks that it happened, That's but what it didn't seem yeah. malicious. But uh, like I said, not laughing at the poor lady, but it was because she it was you funny. Just hear her like, <sighs> you know, when she first yeah. gets hit in the throat. So uh, that was goofy. 
Next up, I'm sure you caught this one. Hey, Ed, if not, I'll have to send it to you. Um, another one of our classic viral videos. This was during a Raptors Celtics NBA playoff game with an <laughs> unintentional super kick from Pascal. What is it? Seekin as he kicked Daniel yeah. Theis. Um, Pascal Siakam. Siakam kicks Daniel Theis accidentally kind of like jumping up in the air, but it's in slow motion. It's just the yeah, replica you know, of a Shawn Michaels HBK finishing move, sweet chin music, and it's hilarious. Well, see, I don't know if you got my text yesterday, but I sent you that meme of the the dude that had that freeze framed, and it said, uh, uh, I love you, I'm sorry. Oh, that's right. Yeah, because Gus sent me one, too. That's hilarious. Yeah, so I was dying. I mean, an unintentional oh, super kick. And that was fantastic. That to was wrap great. up, the supersized goose or goof, supersized. Hey, Ed, notice how I said that? Because this has to do with a collaboration with McDonald's and oh one Travis Scott. Yes. Oh, Christ. Travis Scott is collaborating with McDonald's yeah. and his food, <laughs> we say in quotes, Dude. is called the Cactus Jack. <laughs> I can't wait for motherfuckers to be like, yo, man, I'll give you 200 bucks for those Cactus Jack McNuggets. In full like, in full circle, OBJ is going to have his girl eat one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, Jesus as Christ. As I say to hate y'all, goofs are goofs. Goofs are goofs. All right, man. Yeah, so <laughs> thanks for joining us, guys. We hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, we appreciate you guys sticking around with us here every week uh, as we normally do or as we normally say around this time. Uh, again, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at What's Real Pod 1. Uh, send us an email at What's Real Pod at gmail.com. And of course, don't forget that five star review on iTunes if you're on there. And you can also check us out on all your favorite pod streaming platforms as well as churchillpictures.com. So, the J, rev us on up, brother. Engines are revved. Hey, yeah, Cam added that effect, so enjoy that revving up here to close it out. I'll throw a bunch of my classics at you, like Dorothy going home. There's no place like home, taking it home on the pod, like Steve McQueen. It's the great escape every week with you, hey, yeah. Shout out to our producer, the wizard behind the boards, Cam. Do what you do, Cam. We appreciate it. We're putting together a great show, loving it every week. Love the show. Hey, yeah, we did it again. 3-7. Carnal Loving it, man. Everybody out there, stay healthy. You'll hear me next week. Absolutely, man. So that's it for us this week. Uh, big shout out to our producer, the world's most dangerous Cam Ken Shamrock, uh, for all the work he puts in the show here every week. Uh, the J, there's nobody else I'd rather do it with, brother. Thanks for sitting down with me here each and every week as we do at this time. So that's it for us this week, guys. We will see you next week for episode 38. Stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll see you next week right here on the What's Real Podcast. What's real? The real question is What's real? What's real?